We don't do too many political episodes on Dads Worldwide, but I, I hope you really enjoy this one. And I hope uh, if you're an undecided voter, this actually helps you decide. Uh, that was the goal. And uh, thanks to Phil, Kendall, and Brian. They did such a great job. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. And I hope everyone uh, en- enjoy the show. Dads Worldwide. Why? The first word in family management, family budgeting, insurance, bills, food, vacations, research and development, homework, emails, phone calls. Last week we tried to do an oil change and ended up with a new car. Security. Doors are locked. Windows shut. House alarm is set. Fingerless gloves. Dads worldwide. Loyal listeners, possibly you. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Dads Worldwide. I'm Brendan, and welcome to Undecided 2020. I gotta say, I, I am stoked for this episode. Uh, and so, I want to thank our three guests here for braving the unknown. Uh, t- two of you guys don't really know me at all. Um, Phil can never get my podcast right, uh, the name right. Um, so he kind of knows me, but uh, I. I I really, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you guys doing this, and uh, I really, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. So, uh, why don't we start with introductions? Uh, Kendall, you're up. Sure, absolutely. Uh, my name is Kendall. I live in Fort Worth, Texas. I was raised in a typical Texas home, conservative and religious. I was politically active at a young age, and I came out of my childhood home, conservative as well. Uh, in college, I changed to become a registered Democrat in the state. And I'm looking forward to Texas playing a more important role in national politics soon. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Brian. Sure. So I'm Brian. I am a uh, school teacher, public school teacher, and uh, musician in Southern California. Um, although I do not currently hold any official position with the Jorgensen campaign or with the Liber- any Libertarian Party affiliates, I do have about 20 years of experience as a political activist with the Libertarian Party and Libertarian-related causes, including uh, anti-war movements, including Restore the Fourth LA, which is a group that's been working on um, on invasions of privacy and privacy rights and, and uh, the Fourth Amendment issues, as uh, well as a little bit of work with outright libertarians, which is the LGBTQ, the primary LGBTQ uh, libertarian group. Excellent. Now, um, just to be clarified, that was a good point, Brian. No one here is part of any campaign, correct? No. Correct. No, I'm, I do not officially represent the campaign in any way. Okay. All right. That's good. Yeah. Glad to get that out. All right, Phil, you're up. Well, welcome one and all the dads worldwide, everyone. We are glad to be here. We are having an open discussion roundtable on undecided voters. I am the devilishly handsome outlaw himself, your king of extreme, Phil KOE. Check me out at KOE Nation on YouTube. I am out here in the middle of Nebraska. I am standing looking out at a town of roughly 300 people. Uh, I am a fifth-generation farmer uh, in the state of Nebraska, a sixth-generation farmer in the United States. Uh, we uh, And I will, this evening, be representing not only President Donald J. Trump, but I hope to persuade all of you that I am also representing what is best for America. So thank you very much, all of you, for being here. Thank you all for joining us this evening for this discussion. And Brendan, good sir, take it away. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Phil. 
Great introduction. But, but, but wait, always. but wait, one yeah. more thing. One more thing, sir. One more. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. There'll no. be no. no. I... Hey, hey. Muted. You're muted. You hear that, Bill? You're <laughs> muted already. I'm nothing of value was lost. Yeah. yeah. Mute gate is real, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the questions because we've got a lot of them. And if we don't get to them, it's, this thing's going to be like four hours long. So, all right. Yeah, I got nothing better to do. Oh, well, there I'll you go. <laughs> I got I to work in the morning. So yeah. <laughs> oh, and I got to say, Brian, you said that you're a school teacher. I think you're the biggest one taking a risk at this point <laughs> during after cancel culture and all that stuff, man. So thank you. Well, well you know, yeah. I'm, hey, glad, glad, to, glad to do it. You know, although you notice, though, that I didn't exactly specify where I am because as, as much as I'm proud of my candidate, I also don't think that my politics belong in my classroom either. So uh, agreed. agreed. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to go to Phil first on this one. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be uh, COVID and the COVID response and the future response. So I, we, I mean, we have to talk about it. It's the, it's everywhere. We got to do it. So, uh, President Trump got hammered for, uh, on one side, taking way too much action. He got blamed for lockdowns. And then uh, on the other side, he said that he wasn't locked down enough. You know, stuff that wasn't locked down enough. Uh, he didn't have a plan. So here we go, Phil. What's that his plan? Was... What's he going to do? What is he going to do? What is he going to do? That was the general theme that you've heard is he doesn't have a plan. And mm -hmm. really, if you look at the response that we had, Trump did shut down travel from China, which was one of the most important steps. Should he have done it sooner? Probably. There is talk of a vaccine starting to come down the pike, and there, there is hope for that. We will see. When we talk about his response, though, there's also the economic response of the fact that this was the first ever forced destimulation of our economy in world history. The first time this has ever happened. And Trump actually stewarded the response to that tremendously well. A lot of people forget that in May of this year, oil was actually trading in negative numbers. And that is the commodity that determines the totality of of life on this planet. And if that would have gone a wire, who knows what would have actually happened to our economy. And Trump's leadership actually steered us away from that. So something to keep in mind when people say that, oh, we had such a terrible, terrible response. You need to understand that we were all in the fog of war. Every single nation was. Now going forward, we know a tremendous amount more than we do. Even the WHO has come out and said mass lockdowns probably aren't a good idea. Now the WHO has flip-flopped on Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, they have, uh, no, 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 no problem. Uh, but the, my general point is we are going to eventually get to the point where we have a vaccine, but the response going forward cannot be more lockdowns. We are not going to be able to, like Gretchen Whitmer or Gavin Newsom in California, lock down our way out of this. It's not going to happen. And this is one of those instances where the cure might actually be worse than the disease because of the economic destruction. When I mentioned that 
price of oil being in negative numbers. That was for the first time in our entire lives, a complete destruction of demand. And here we are just a few short months later, the stock market's actually looking up, our economy's coming together, our death rate is plummeting when it comes to COVID. So obviously our medical infrastructure is starting to tackle the challenges that we have going forward. So this has been bad. This has been a terrible thing for a lot of people to go through, but there is reason for optimism going forward and things will start to get better. And okay. I yield back the balance. All right, uh, Kendall, what is, uh, what's Biden's plan and how is he gonna implement that? Sure, um, so all responses from me will be directly from the Joe Biden website. And that is until we go into the sections where we will break down our personal opinions okay. and why this is better than that. Um, yep. But directly from Biden's policy and plans page, <clears throat> the Biden-Harris administration will listen to science, ensure public health decisions are informed by public health professionals, and then restore trust, transparency, common purpose, and accountability to our government. How will you do that, they ask. Uh, here's a seven-point plan. Uh, waiting for a vaccine is not a plan. So number one, fix Trump's testing and tracing fiasco. Uh, you do this by doubling drive-in testing sites. You do this by investing in next-generation testing, home tests, and instant tests. You instate a pandemic testing board to produce tens of millions of tests. You establish a U.S. public health job corps to complete competent contact tracing to protect people at risk populations. Number two, you fix personal protective equipment problems for good, and you don't just leave it up to states, cities, tribes, and territories to fend for themselves. And you do that by using the Defense Production Act. Number three, you provide clear, consistent, evidence-based national guidance for how communities should navigate the pandemic and the resources for schools, small businesses, and families to make it through. And you do that by establishing renewable funds for states and local governments to provide for budget shortfalls. You call on Congress to pass an emergency package to ensure schools have additional resources they need to adapt to COVID. Number four, you plan for the effective, equitable distribution of treatments and vaccines. Number five, protect older Americans and others at high risk. Number six, rebuild and expand the defenses that Trump has dismantled to predict, prevent, and mitigate pandemic threats, including those coming from China. Number seven, implement mask mandates nationwide by working with governors and mayors and by asking the American people to do what they do best, step up in a time of crisis. Experts say that if 95% of Americans wear masks between now and December, we can save almost 70,000 lives. Excuse me, I've never been live, so I'm a little nervous, a little shaky. <laughs> That's all right. You're doing, You're doing great, man. You're doing great. Doing great. Um, personally, what this comes into me for me is uh, Donald Trump has claimed victory over the virus, and every day it is breaking a new record in case counts and ho hospitalizations are rising. Trump is hosting super spreader events. He's contracted the virus himself. Most of Mike Pence's staff, who's the chair of the task force for COVID response, has contracted the virus. And Republicans at the top of the ticket are saying it's over and it's done. But in my county, we see about 700 new cases a day and there's no leadership to be found. And I hate to hammer this point and I'm gonna do it at every turn, but like I just did a podcast about this election and I was looking up the plans and policies of the Trump administration and they don't exist. 
they're not online. You can't find them anywhere. That page has turned into a mission accomplished page for everything that they've done, but it doesn't list anything that they're going to do. So at every turn, I'm just going to read bullet by bullet exactly what Biden says he's going to do because he's the only legitimate candidate with actual plans. Okay. All right, Brian, you're up. Sure. So first off, what I hear from both of these candidates is what I've heard all along, which is a choice between control of immigration and travel on the other side and a bunch of corporate uh, or a bunch of corporate welfare on the other, and a bunch of control of healthcare on the other. And both are really pretty gross. This whole thing started, and I'll, I'll say the official Jorgensen position and the official libertarian position has to do with tearing down a lot of the red tape that got in the way in the first place of effective testing and effective distribution of tests, as well as allowing people to make their own decisions of, and their own assessments of risk. So, uh, absolutely. The virus at this point, you know, thankfully, no, at least no one's pretending it's a conspiracy or doesn't exist anymore. The virus is very real. It can have very serious consequences. However, let's look at the underlying concerns. And these are things that both Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, her running mate, have brought up many times on the campaign trail when, when asked about this. First off, you have a lot of things in the American healthcare system that artificially restrict the supply. You have, first off, a certificate of need laws. So the government gets to decide if someone should be allowed to build a hospital in a place or not, rather than a private concern. So it, it limit, artificially limits the supply of hospitals and healthcare and healthcare capacity, which is what the whole can, you know, worries over over so you know over socially distancing and about flattening the curve was all about in the first place was making sure that we had enough hospital capacity. The next thing is you've got things like patent protections. You have laws that uh, don't that don't allow license reciprocity um, for across state lines for healthcare workers. So if you're a doctor in Michigan, you can't necessarily go be a doctor in California. But if California needs doctors. You have to sit through a whole long relicensing process, reexamination process, rather than just being automatically able to work. Same thing for nurses and, and other providers. You've also got, you know, at the local level, you've got zoning laws and things that limit access to clinics and, and whatnot. So you've got all these things in the way to say nothing of an FDA approval process that takes an incredibly long time and is usually rigged and, and usually pay off, you know, filled with payoffs to big pharmaceutical companies rather than allowing more, you know, more interesting, more, you know, more, un, sorry, um, more interesting remedies to be, uh, to be tried. You've also got uh, laws that prohibit the reimportation of drugs. So people can't get drugs from overseas. They can't necessarily use something that's approved in Europe. Well, you know, and I, I would assume that the UK's health standards are reasonably close to ours, but we can't until it's been approved by our FDA. There's no reciprocity, which means that it artificially constricts the supply of, of health care, of providers, of medicine and drives up the cost for often for the poorest among us. Not for my little dinky middle class self, but for the poorest among us. I mean, it, it's terrible. So that's what we had going into this situation, going into the COVID crisis. Then on top of that. The federal government spent the first six weeks of the crisis not allowing people to do COVID-19 tests, which was dumb. 
And then there, and admittedly, healthcare, unfortunately, is not my strong suit. Ask me about foreign policy, I'm probably more likely to give a little more informed answer. And so please forgive me for, uh, for, for giving only a surface view here. But then there are apparently types of te uh, virus tests that are very common and pretty easy to make if you know how to do that sort of thing. And yet it took months for those tests to be approved, despite the fact that in places like South Korea and Germany and the UK and everywhere else in the world, they were doing those tests with no problems, which means the federal government artificially extended this crisis much longer than it should be because it was in the way. And then was the crisis of leadership on top of that. <clears throat> what should have been an issue of science and liberty turned into a team issue. It turned into a my team good, your team bad issue. And it was the dumbest political football ever. What should have happened is that every governor and the president should have said, this virus is real. Now, because of the First Amendment, we cannot order you to shut down. However, this is what the best science says at the time. Uh, we are going to shut down the government and mandate masks and social distancing for government offices that need to interact with the public, things like DMVs, social security offices, and so on. And then, uh, and, and but we, and we encourage all of you to do the same. And as Spike Cohen has said, we should all. We're also not going to indemnify you against any lawsuits. So if there is a COVID nineteen lawsuit, we're not going to bail you out on this one. You will be responsible for the effects and the damages that this caused. Instead, it became about oh. The virus doesn't exist unless we're blaming China about it. We're calling it the Kung Flu and some other racist. Mm. I don't know. Am I allowed to cuss on this show? Sure. Fine. Racist <laughs> bullshit from uh, <laughs> the Trump administration. And on the other side, it became all, all of the blue states saying we must mandate. We must shut everything down. Screw your economy. Screw your job. Screw the livelihoods that you work for. And the result has been an absolute disaster on all accounts. And again, you now have two sides screaming at each other for because it got it. It turned into a team blood sport. So uh, the real plan, I what I you know what what the Jorgensen campaign has said, uh, what I would tend to agree with, is that government should remain closed, especially things like schools, because the physical plant just does not work for social distancing for schools. It, it's it's not practical, but the private sector needs to be allowed to reopen. Because the effect, the disastrous effects, entire sectors of the economy have been decimated. The in, in people, especially in arts and entertainment, as a musician, this is several of my friends. They've lost entire years worth of work. Twenty-year businesses have gone up in smoke, and, and you know people that work in in Hollywood, especially all the below-the-line folks like grips and electricians and, and welders and everybody else, set designers. They've been out of work for months and that's to say nothing of the restaurant industry of of all these other facets that have been waiting for things to come back all the things that depend on these businesses so what needs to happen is first off you got to tear down the red tape second you have to you have to let people decide their own levels of risk in the private sector and third the government needs to stay, continue to stay shut down as a way of setting a good example okay awesome thank you uh Phil probably doesn't have a response to any of that, right? No, no, no. Uh, how about, how about, hey, hey, Phil, how about this uh, this one right here? 
Well, the economy is very much a part of the thing that uh, the president does have to look over, and our shutdown has decimated the economy. And if we did have oil actually continue at negative numbers, then I'm sorry, the conversion of fuel to energy is what sustains 7 billion human lives on this planet. If that is disrupted at all, millions will die. And I say that with no hyperbole at all. And so the president being able to lead us away from that was tremendous. Now, when we're talking about the COVID response, when we're saying, well, this nation did better, this leader would have done better, that's really a benefit of hindsight analysis because it's like, say, Brian here, Kendall here, and I here, we're all in the fog of war and we're all pushed backs to each other. We all fire, fire our weapons. They go off in three different directions. And Brian's the only one who actually hit an enemy. Is Brian a better shot than Kendall or I, or did he just happen to make the right guess at the right time? So when we were starting off with this COVID, we were all guessing, every nation was guessing we were all in the fog of war. And now the, we are at a point where the death rate is tremendously low for COVID. So this shows that our medical infrastructure is actually doing a tremendous job of meeting this challenge. And that's one of the great things about being in America. And uh, also when it comes to uh, Biden's plan, I do kind of find it strange that we're talking about what's Biden going to do? How would Biden respond? He has no political power and he's not in elected office. He even said so himself in a debate. Oh, so uh, that's uh, my general reply to that is that Trump has actually led this pandemic about as well as you could hope to. Are you, is there anybody that honestly thinks that if we were to pop any other world leader into this slot that the <laughs> result would have been any different? Is that Shall really talking about the prime minister of New Zealand? who, by all means, not my political style by any means. However, New Zealand had a very closed border long before coronavirus. I mean, New Zealand was going to do well on this. So are true. you saying if we were to pop New Zealand, the prime minister of New Zealand, into the United States, and he is now president of the United States, you're Jeez. saying we would have had a way better response. It would have been tremendous. Well, better. I'm sorry. Well, it couldn't have been. It could not what would happen. But the, the reality is death rate or no, the fact is this virus has been serious enough where the after effects, even if it doesn't kill you, it leaves you with serious after effects. And 210,000 dead Americans is nothing to sneeze at. Moreover, no, when you not. It's terrible. But this is a virus that's been going for a long time. And it, when you said, and it was terrible, is racist for Trump to say that it came from China. Is it racist when it... Scientists call the Ebola virus the Ebola virus because they named it after the area it came from. They, this is they, what they, happened. The Wuhan virus is just a name flu. that has been used. Cotton so. flu. Yeah, they yeah, and moreover, Trump only kept calling you know, only kept calling it the China virus when it was to score political points rather than actually doing anything about it. Also, you look it at did all shut the, down travel with China, it did shut down the border with China. So that's not yeah, and, and, and right now every that country ain't for nothing. Right now, the every country, yeah, and look at how much we trade with China, mind you. So he just cut off a significant portion of the American economy. Also, <clears throat> look at the way several other countries handled it. I mean, not just New Zealand. Look at the way South Korea handled it. Look at the way uh, Singapore handled it. There are other countries that navigated this very, very well, and we did not. And yes, we have a different healthcare system and a much more, you know, federal system of government. But my God, 
there were so many better responses than than well, even beyond that we have so many of the world's largest cities right here in our nation the idea that our response or that we're going to have some exactly the same response as some tiny country like new zealand we have new york los angeles houston we have huge cities in the united states so and, okay and hold like, on hold on hold on hold on yeah, okay kendall yeah, wanted to talk Kendall, go. Yeah, Kendall, I'm sorry. Go for it. No, I sorry. should have written a note. I was trying to find a pen, but I didn't want to make too much noise. Um, I, Joe Biden is the only person with plans. Donald Trump doesn't have any plan. He says that it's over. Uh, Jorgensen's talking about ending the FDA. If you're an undecided voter, if you're listening to the show, I think it's pretty clear. Like Trump loses on COVID at every turn. Uh, we're going to talk about healthcare next, which is something I'm terribly excited to talk about. Joe Biden's plan for healthcare. It's fantastic. Again, Donald Trump doesn't have one, so. All right. All right. Well, so Trump's been the one leading us through it, so apparently he's got a pretty good plan. He's led us this far, and we haven't had economic disaster despite a forced destimulation of the economy. So, not bad, uh, actually. And he's, you know, hey, if you want more lockdowns, vote Joe. Yeah, tell tell that to the the unemployment rate that's almost doubled. And moreover, if you want to talk about that's a forced destimulation of the economy. It's unfortunate. I really don't like it. Wow. You're so right. You're just, right. It's terrible. We shouldn't so have done. <laughs> Moreover, go, go ahead. Go ahead. The fact that most of the first COVID relief bill was corporate welfare. Yeah, that's that's still named after a place. Wuhan's a place. The Ebola River is a place. That's a physical location, Tom. But but thanks. That's actually a nice. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, Jorgensen for right. POTUS. Uh, I, I wish her well, but I don't think she'll do well. But so, <laughs> Brendan, Brendan. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Good. Good. Let's get uh, let's move on to the next subject. So um, we kept that relatively well. <laughs> Not as good as you could hope. Yeah, no, no, it's great. A little bit of back and forth banter. So not too shabby. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, as Kendall alluded to, we're going to healthcare. Kendall, I'm going to have you start off uh, sure. now. It uh, I want to say the last presidential debate uh, healthcare question was asked. And I thought both answers, Trump and Biden, horrific. That it was okay. probably the worst answers of the debate. So I hope you can represent Biden better than he represented himself. So, well, so there, uh, there you go. There's your you. lead in. <laughs> thank you. No pressure. But lucky for me, I'm just going to read this. So I've got okay. my notes here. There we go. Um, so the Biden plan is built on the premise that every human has a right to health care first. Um, and that when people get sick, the last thing they should have to be worried about is, will I go bankrupt? He has a plan to build on the Affordable Care Act by giving Americans more choice, reducing health care costs, and making our health care system less complex to navigate. So just after passing the ACA, the number of Americans lacking health insurance fell from 44 million to 27 million. And now with Trump and Republicans trying to repeal parts of, in fact, the whole of the ACA, including protections for pre-existing conditions, um, the number of the uninsured in the U.S. is rising. And Joe Biden will stop this reversal by, one, giving Americans a new choice, uh, a public health insurance option like Medicare. As in Medicare, the Biden public option will reduce costs for patients by negotiating lower prices from hospitals and other health care providers. It will also better coordinate among all, of, uh, among all of a patient's doctors to improve the efficacy and quality of their care and cover primary care without any co-payments. It will bring relief to small businesses struggling to afford coverages for their employees. 
uh, it will increase the value of tax credits to lower premiums and extend coverage to more working Americans. And it will expand coverage to low income Americans. And you do this by ensuring that the low income individuals have access to coverage uh, in those 14 states where governors and state legislatures, mostly Republican, have refused to take up the expansion of the Medicaid eligibility, covering an additional 4.9 million folks. Number two, provide the peace of mind of affordable quality healthcare in a less complex healthcare system. You do this um, by giving those tax credits, by stopping surprise billing, uh, you tackle market concentration with antitrust authority, and you partner with healthcare workers to design and implement the best strategies for wages and quality of care. You stand up to the abuse of power by prescription drug corporations, uh, ending the exception, allowing drug corporations to avoid negotiating drug prices with Medicare, limiting launch prices for drugs that face no competition, limiting price increases to only cover inflation and not supply and demand, allowing consumers to buy from other countries, improving the quality of generics. All of these things fight uh, big pharma. You do also uh, ensure healthcare is right for all and not just a privilege for a few. So you expand access to contraception and protecting the constitutional right to an abortion. You codify Roe v. Wade. You restore federal funding through Medicaid to Planned Parenthood. You reduce high, uh, the high maternal mortality, high maternal mortality rate, tongue twister, and expand mm -hmm. access to mental health care. And you fund all of this by closing tax loopholes and capital gains taxes for the super wealthy. So Republicans want to add tax cuts and they've already added tax cuts for the ultra rich and are supplying no plan for health care. Donald Trump ran on repeal and replace. He tried and he failed to repeal because John McCain voted no, because he had supplied no plan to replace. In the five years he has been campaigning, he has never offered a comprehensive health plan for health care. And now through he's through two election cycles with no plan. And this, this point can't be emphasized enough. And if Republicans actually cared about health care, if they gave a damn, they would be providing people with access to care. They would have supplied a plan to first go around or sometime throughout Trump's four years or now during his reelection campaign. And I can't help but say that this is privilege. Just imagine the privilege of heading a ticket for a national party with no plan for health care. And he does this and he gets votes. And it's just astonishing. He has no plan that has been made clear to the public in both recent debates and further throughout his entire presidency. All right. Uh, Brian, you're up next. Uh, oh, I'd, I'd love to take this one. First yes, off, you, you kind of already answered it on your first one. There's definitely more to say. You're right. I All get right, a let's do it. My, let's my do it. Answer. So first off, you know, while I absolutely want to see everyone have access to high quality health care and be healthy, I question your fundamental premise. Healthcare must be must be provided by someone else. It is a service. It is an economic good. It is not a right. Because if it becomes a right, that means that suddenly you have a right to my labor. You have a right to a doctor's labor. You are essentially putting a gun to someone's head and saying, pay for my health care. And that, while however well-intentioned, is ultimately offensive and it's, it's wrong. And if you look at the history of healthcare in this country, the real problem, once again, goes back to government. If you start off with the HMO Act in the in the 40s, the HMO Act was passed as it, it was in uh, passed during World War II, if I'm not mistaken, and it was part of a way for FDR to suppress wages, and so it was a way of getting around FDR's wage and price controls. Once again, more government meddling in the economy by tying health insurance as a perk to employment. 
that needs to go. And as we talked, and then let's look at all the other barriers that are in the way. And let's, and again, I talked about most of these in my answer um, to the COVID crisis. You've got certificate of need laws. You've got patent protections, especially on generic drugs. And I will agree that reforming the generic process is definitely a, a, a real issue. You have uh, you have uh, issue you know, laws against drug reimportation. You have all these other things in, you have you know, reciprocal licensing requirements. You have all these things that are in the way. And really, when you talk about Medicare for all, what as Jorgensen has said, you're talking about the VA for all. And really, do you want the entire country to be on the VA? And that, that's really where this is all going. Instead, you tear down the barriers, you get the government out of the way, you tear down, oh, you, you, get, you, you, uh, you embrace the right to try, which right now, as I understand it at least, the FDA has both an efficacy requirement and a safety requirement. So you, if you keep the safety requirement, but you get rid of the efficacy requirement, that allows people to actually make their own decisions and try experimental treatments and try things that maybe no one has tried before and, and see, what, see what happens. It'll gradually, it will dramatically speed the approval process. Um, and then let's look at the underlying factors, even beyond just the regulations that are in the way of healthcare. Let's look at some of the underlying economic conditions, things that cause poor health, things that, that make it so people can't afford health care. Right now, poverty, of course, is a complicated and multifaceted thing. But right now, you've got so many things, again, most of the government does, they're in the way of people making a good living of people being able to afford, oh, and I almost forgot, laws that prohibit uh, selling insurance, health insurance across state lines. That's another big one that's in the way that drives up costs. But let's look beyond that and look at what else is in the way. Right now, you've had a dramatic increase in the number of professionals that require an occupational license. That drives down people's wages, that drives up people's people's costs. You have a tax burden that even, you know, that, that right now takes anywhere from what, 20 to 40% of your income, depending on how you figure it, where you're at in the income level and whether you, and how you figure in state, local taxes, sales tax, property tax, licensing, you know, pass the corporate pass-through costs and so on. You've got, uh, you've got all these things, you know, you've got uh, other regulation, you've got uh, zoning laws that make housing costs more, uh, you know, more expensive. And not only that, tend to shove people that are poorer into areas that are next to industrial neighborhoods that are, you know, that, that are, that are less healthy to live in. You've also got laws uh, beyond, beyond the zoning laws and that drive up the cost of housing. You've got, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a minute. Um, no, 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 it's, 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 it's all right. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so you've got, you know, plus you've also got environmental laws right now. And this, I know this is getting off in the weeds a little bit, but the environmental laws right now tend to cap liability for polluters, which creates an incentive to pollute. If you get rid of those and actually make polluters pay for all of their damage, that takes away a lot of the environmental effects. If you stop locking people up for bullshit for 10 and 20 years at a time, that means people can actually be out in the world in healthier environments creating value for themselves. All of these things together will create a, a, both a healthier society and a freer society all at the same time. And they can do it without getting the government involved yet again, trying to fix the mess it made 70 years ago with more of the same. Awesome. Uh, we got a couple comments here. I'd like to, uh, oh, sorry, hold on, this one first. So I really want to understand how a third party 
candidate has any chance. Sure. You want me to take that one now, or you want to? No, I think uh, I think we'll save a couple of these till the end. Sure, um, sure. Because I I have to follow that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, And uh, yeah, so healthcare is a is not a right. This guy, who's that guy, Phil? Thank you, Big, Big Bucket Entertainment. Over, uh, definitely check them out, Big Bucket Entertainment, where you can see uh, Chicken Tony G and your devilishly handsome outlaw Phil Koe discuss awesome. all the crazy topics of the day. Sorry, I am never above some shameless self promotion. Uh, <laughs> all right, Phil, you're up. Let's hear it. Healthcare. What's his plan? How is he gonna? Uh, well, Donald Trump, do uh, he did not do a good job of articulating his health care plan in the third, or well, I guess you'd say the second debate. Um, yeah. But when he, it. well, you know, it was it was what it was. Uh, Donald Trump was trying to talk about you know his favored nations idea, which he did kind of keep stumbling on that, which would be a good idea uh, when we're talking about ex- pre-existing conditions. Um, Donald Trump did sign an executive order that's actually protecting pre-existing conditions. Now, I know people are saying, well, what does that really mean? If the Republicans weren't so determined to protect pre-existing conditions as they are, I would actually be worried. But now when we're talking about the Affordable Care Act, Kendall, I don't know if you realize this, you're looking at one of the people who actually lost their health insurance policy because it was not Affordable Care Act compliant. And I had a damn good policy and now I'm paying a hell of a lot more for a hell of a lot less coverage. So this is when you were talking about it's all going to be roses. It's all going to be great. Biden care. I can only about imagine how much worse it's going to be for me. Uh, So I'm not really his wish list of we're going to make costs lower. We're going to make drugs more accessible. We're going to make the wait times at the doctor's office even less. It almost kind of sounds like a Trump speech, doesn't it? It's like, we're going to have the best health care. It's going to be better. There's going to be nothing you're ever going to wait for. You're going to have all the service. We'll be the healthiest fucking people that have ever lived. Yeah. Yeah. It does kind of sound a little bit. Okay, like Phil, but what's his, what's his plan? What's his plan? His yeah. best his plan. plan. His what, best plan. Wait, hang on. I'm getting there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> gotta it's sprinkle in a little. It's sprinkle in a little comedy, for God's sake. Yeah, um, best, like best, you actually do get that. His best plan, actually. Yeah, the, the election will be over. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, do you have bro, these, We're going to be an hour in and gotten to two questions. <laughs> his best plan that really needs to be implemented as soon as humanly possible, and he's been obstructed on pretty hard, is insurance competition across state lines that one would actually bring overall health costs down for everyone if we could actually compete across state lines rather than this stupid you're stuck inside your little state as to where you can buy your insurance because brendan you're up in the northeast right yes sir if you drive about an hour and a half in any direction you're probably in another state aren't you absolutely so it's kind of stupid that you can only buy health insurance in that state. So really, if you're wanting to talk about a way to actually improve people's lives, because what we have now, boy, if I was a liberal, I'd have been pissed at Obamacare because that was not national health care. That was forced insurance. That's all it was. And you can expect more of the same under Joe Biden. You can expect more gimmies to the insurance company. 
But if we were actually allowed to compete across state lines and I could get an insurance policy from Texas or from Minnesota or from Massachusetts, they actually have to compete for my dollar rather than the other way around where you're pretty much captive. So if you're talking about a policy that Donald Trump has put forward that will actually improve the lives of every single American citizen that utilizes health care. There you go. Competition across state lines. That's one policy, though. So like this is what Republicans do so well. Insurance is how you pay for all the health care. It's kind of important. Ah, There's the problem. There's the problem right there is the fact that insurance uh, and Jorgensen has has said this repeatedly on the campaign trail. Insurance is supposed to be for emergencies. Instead, it's become how we do pay for everything health care wise. And and the example she always cites is imagine if your car insurance covered your, your gas and and your you know your oil changes you'd be pulling out that card every time and you'd be going for the for the super premium on let it every single time rather than actually looking at price rather than actually having providers that compete because you, as far as you're concerned it's just covered by your copay every month you don't have to worry about it or your or your premium every month what what one of the, some of the things that are you know right now again talking about Obamacare. Now I'll fully grant Obamacare was the worst of both worlds. It was the wor- it was the the utter inefficiency and control of a government system with all the greed of a private system. It was it was terrible on so many levels. And quite frankly, I'm hoping it gets struck down because it was terrible law and the law that upheld, and the decision that upheld it was a, a terrible intellectual contortion. But that said. Uh, you know, what, one of the other real problems with it was the fact that it mandated so many things on every single plan rather than allowing plans to be decided organically through the market. Because you know what? As a guy, I don't need female birth control, you know, and, and likewise, I don't think that, um, you know, a, a, a genetic, well, you know, a cisgender woman's plan necessarily needs testicular cancer coverage. And if you had insurance that was just for emergencies, wouldn't that actually make sense? And actually one of the most fascinating developments in healthcare right now to me is this idea of direct care providers. It's providers that have, and doctors that have decided, you know what, we're opting out of the insurance system. We're not taking any insurance. You get a price list, a clear price list of every of, of exactly what the cost is for all these procedures and medicines, everything else, and you can choose what you want. You can see exactly what's going on. And another thing that, that Jorgensen is fan, uh, really fond of pointing out on the campaign trail, if you look at LASIK and cosmetic surgery, which are two procedures that are generally not covered by insurance, the prices for those have fallen dramatically over the last 20 years, even as the technology has gotten better because they're outside of the insurance uh, system and companies actually have to compete on price and quality and service. Imagine if the rest of healthcare was like that. Here, here, Brian, the policy we want, the mutton chops we need. (laughs) Kendall, you have anything? Uh, no, it's fine. That is fine. I, I was going to say, um, there's there's something about like free markets and 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 unregulated. Obviously, greed and corruption is a, a big issue. So letting big pharma and uh, uh, insurance companies run rampant is not ideal. That's an opinion of mine and not of Joe Biden's. 
Um, but I was going to say about Phil, when, when Republicans come back with three talking points of pre-existing conditions and what he's done with insulin, and now whatever you're saying that he's done by executive order. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. I totally forgot about it. Yeah, he's brought insulin <laughs> prices down tremendously. Great job. But that's not health care. And like, that's right. the thing. It's the sum yeah, folks. Go ahead. Keep going. Yep, keep going, Kendall. It's not, it's not, it's a comprehensive, like Kaylee McEnany handing a book this big to Leslie Stahl saying it's healthcare when there's no healthcare anywhere to be found on his website. Comprehensive, no, no policy agenda at all. It's just like, what are you talking about? So you're saying the government needs to have more interference with the day-to-day -day interactions of a patient and his doctor? Like, I, uh, that, that's that's what you're what's the healthcare plan we're talking about how we can make it paid for more efficiently for people but saying what's the plan like that I, I'm, I'm confused what do you mean here where is trump's comprehensive plan on healthcare? Where like th three things that I, you've listed is well, that I mean, is that if, the entirety if you'd like of me to, uh the entirety of the plan no but i mean if you'd like me to i was going over the major things that would actually affect people but again you're asking the plan here and this is starting to sound a little bit more like government intrusion into the doctor's office here. So I'm wondering what you're, because we're talking about how is it going to be paid for more easily? We all have, we all need access to healthcare. That is just, we need food, water, healthcare, air, that, like a right. that kind of stuff. That What's that? Like right. that sounds well, like rights right. are the necessary conditions of one's proper existence. You don't have the right to violate other people's rights. But that's a different that's a different discussion for another Food, day. Shelter, water, healthcare is the point you were just making though. Yes, yes, yes. You you need all those things. You're given life, but you're not given the amenities to support these life this life. So but that's a different different topic altogether. We're talking about how to pay for healthcare. That is Trump's plan. How are we going to make it cheaper, more affordable? We're not gonna have Donald the great Donald Trump Healthcare Act now has every doctor has to do X when he's in the office with you. So that's kind of a strange thing to ask for, but he is going to try and make it cheaper for you, at least through the insurance companies, How? if you can compete across state lines. Yeah, so that'll that be a hell of a lot. It's gonna open it up for state markets and that's the entirety do you of think the that'll Do you think that'll make it more expensive or less? Sure, but Joe Biden is talking about doing that internationally. So states to nations. So, yeah, but if you're talking internationally, then it's a lot easier for a company to not pay up. If they're still within the United States, that's a much better system. So Donald Trump actually will save you money under his plan. So I'm wondering, why is that not good enough? And it sounds because like it's got the best of both your numbers. I'm leaving out all, all the crap that gets the government in the way. Neener. God damn it. <laughs> if libertarians had their way, schools and hospitals wouldn't be funded by the government at all. It would be up to the good of folk for them to exist. So I think that's why she's calling it about 5%. Examples of, you should read a book called The Beautiful Tree. It's, uh, I mean, this is getting off into the weeds, but the, the Beautiful Tree, I think, would be a very fascinating book, and I recommend it to all of your listeners. It's, uh, have you ever heard of this book? I haven't. Okay, so what it is, it's a 10-year case study um, of private schools in the, the absolute poorest parts of the third world you know the the poorest places in africa in 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 you know the slums in new delhi and towns in china where you literally have to hike up a, a, a rope to get up to this mountain town because there's no other way to get it other than a rope ladder and he, what what he found was that everywhere in these in these poor in these poor 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 communities there were private schools 
And not private schools for the rich and the elite, but private schools for the very poorest. And there was a whole mix of funding sources. I mean, there was, some of them were for-profit, some of them were non-profit, some of them were religious in nature, some of them were secular. But there were you know, literally hundreds at a time everywhere he went, all of them competing for, for clients for resources, all of them trying to innovate, and all of them kicking the crap out of the government schools. And while the parallels aren't exact between, you know, obviously the educational system in the third world and what we have in the developed world, because the developed world, the professionalism is generally much higher as is the market penetration. But what was it shows what's possible. And it shows that a commodity, something that's that important as education, and as an educator, I believe very profoundly in education. And I've taught in some of the poorest neighborhoods in my neck of the woods. But it shows what's possible. It shows that people will, uh, you know, if there's a demand for education, which obviously there is, people will rise up to meet that demand. And really, they will do amazing jobs of innovating once they're actually allowed to freely compete. The other example that I always give, and this is just as true for healthcare, think about hamburgers, okay? Hamburgers have a relatively low barrier to entry, and, you know, and, and, there's, and you can pretty much get in and out of the hamburger business more or less as you want. They're relatively unregulated. And the result is that even in relatively small areas, and certainly in urban areas like you and I live in, we have literally hundreds of choices for hamburgers at every conceivable combination of price point, quality, delivery time, ingredients, specializations, health concerns that you might possibly want. Can you imagine what education would be like if you had that kind of choice? Can you imagine what healthcare would be like if you had that kind of choice? Can you imagine what anything else that- Private that insurance exists though. You do have that kind of choice. Uh, but, no, but unregulated, I mean, like it, it, when it runs rampant, you see exactly what happens. Uh, we have about we have one of the most regulated health systems. I mean, healthcare is one of the most regulated industries in our country. But private insurance companies exist. Private insurance companies that often enjoy government interference and government mandates. Again, Adam Miller, here I'm, I'm going a little off in, in the weeds because this is not my area of expertise. But if you go to things like the HMO Act that essentially mandate that your health insurance follows the, you know, follows uh, your employer rather than. Yeah, I don't like that either. I yeah. Either. Okay. And, and, yeah. Okay. Right, I'm, I'm, call, I'm, calling it, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. <laughs> next, enough, question. Enough. next question. Most right, probable. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're two questions in, and it's uh, forty-eight minutes. So, all right. So, right let's, on schedule. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do one lightning round. Um, I think this should be fairly straightforward. No, it's never straightforward. It's Have you met us? Come on. Now. I I had to say it. I had to say it. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brian, I'm going to have you start with this one. So immigration, sure. uh, uh, some of you know, some of you don't know for 2006, 2015, I was the United States border patrol agent. So I know a little bit about this and okay. I've seen a, quite a bit. So, sure. uh, I, it, this is kind of near and dear. I know I have a lot of friends that are still on the border. I have a lot of friends that still work, uh, ice. I still, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are still doing the job. And, uh, so I, 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 near and dear to my heart, Brian. So let's hear, oh. let's hear what Jorgensen's plan. Oh, is. you, you, then, then you may not like my answer. So <laughs> that's why you're, that's why you're going first on this one. Oh, I, 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 I planned that one. <laughs> we love immigration. 
So let's talk first about the practical effects. Uh, the practical effects of immigration. I have actually read multiple studies on immigration, and even if you factor, and a few of them have said that the effects of immigration are negative, but the vast, uh, the vast majority of studies that I've read say that immigrants are a net benefit to the United States economy, even, and this includes legal and illegal immigration, they're a net benefit to the economy, they commit fewer crimes, you know, they commit crime at a much lower rate than, than native-born Americans, and they start businesses at a phenomenal rate which means they bring jobs and value to all of us, to the native-born Americans as well. So that's the, and this is true in the United States. It's also true in the UK, which has a much bigger welfare state than ours. And this is because immigration was actually a major issue in the Brexit debate. Turns out, again, that even in the UK, with their gigantic and honestly kind of stupid welfare state, we have, the, it's still a net benefit. You know, they're, they're worried about Polish immigrants and all, and of course, the, you know, we're worried about the great Mexican scare or whatever. No, these are people that bring value. These are people that bring wonderful things. And on top of the practical effects, you have the principle. And here's where libertarians really come down hard in favor of, of open or almost open borders. First off, free and maybe most importantly, free people have nothing to fear from new people and new ideas, and they should be allowed to move freely. And any wall that's put up to keep people out can very much be used to keep people in. And finally, Think about everything that we've gotten from immigrants over the years. And I think about my family, which, you know, mo most of my family were Ellis Islanders. Uh, the, my mom's side came over during the Depression. Think about all the contributions in terms of food, innovation, uh, inventions, you know, entertainment. All of these things come from new people and new ideas coming into this country and contributing to this wonderful morass and melting pot that is the United States. Awesome. Phil, you're up. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, Brian, you made a lot of excellent points there. You know, we are a marvelous uh, conglomeration of all kinds of people from all over the world. And, you know, if Martians were to start landing, we'd start taking Martians into like we don't care. We would be a benefit. But Alien Nation was a great show. <laughs> legal immigration is one of the signs of a nation's sovereignty. It is one of the signs of any nation's sovereignty to be able to just not, if not decide, at least know who is coming in and out of their borders. So to do it not legally, hang on, hang, hang on, sir, hang on, sir. So if there is, there is actually, you have to ask yourself an honest question here though. Yeah. And this is one I've wrestled with for most of, for a good chunk of my life, I've wrestled with it and I haven't been able to find a proper counter to it and this is something you need to realize hmm. and uh, at least ruminate on can you sure. truly expect someone whose foundational act within our borders when now you know when we're talking about the dreamers different different issue but an adult person that walk their foundational act within our borders is a violation of our laws can you truly reasonably expect that person to be a good citizen a misdemeanor uh, yes. first violate it what i'm saying is their very foundational act within our borders is so it's something i've been wrestling with for some time and it's something that i don't really care we're a large country we can take any we can take a large number of people yeah we right. can 
put them all over the place. But what I'm saying is we have the right to know who it is coming in and out. And that is one of the fundamental signs of a nation actually having sovereignty. If we just have completely open borders and we're not really a sovereign anymore. So I will I will take that. I agree that you know as long as you have states and and I hope my my anarchist libertarian brethren will forgive me for for stipulating the the validity of a state for a moment. Uh, but as long as you have as long as you have a state, absolutely, that state has the right to regulate its borders. It has the right to determine its borders. Sure, that is that is part of being a sovereign state. However, just because you have the power doesn't mean you should you need to use it. And if you look, there weren't any real immigration restrictions in this country for the first, what, 100, 120 years of our country until the Chinese Exclusion Act, which was racist as hell and dumb. And, and in terms of, and in terms of, of you know, people's first act coming here illegally, well, first off, I mean, these are people that are literally willing to crawl through the desert and risk their lives to work a crappy restaurant job or a terrible hotel job or any number of these you know low quality you know low quality jobs that's how motivated they are by the american dream by what has called people to this country for as long as it's been a country and oh, i'm agreeing with a lot of what you're saying here okay. brian i would love right, to see no, a on. simpler we're getting, we're more streamlined off. process we're getting, stop. we're getting off course yeah. okay uh, just, no 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 stop 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 all right Bill, good. are you done? Did you, did you state never. Trump's plan? Are you done? <laughs> I know you're never done, but are you done? State the plan, state how the he's going to implement it, and we're moving on to Kendall. Let's go. Well, what, what I'm go. saying is we, we have to have a secure border. We have to be able to know who is and isn't coming within our borders and who is and isn't within our nation, just for sim even just for simple head counts. But also in the era of COVID and the era of a pandemic, I think that does definitely demonstrate why we need to know and have control over how our borders work in case of an even worse pandemic that, thank God, this one has such a high survivability rate. If this was worse, then yes, we, I don't think it would have taken hardly at all for the borders to shut down. So that is the general, if you'd like, that is the position. We need to have a secure border. Okay. Hey, first off, I just want to say, uh, Caitlin... No, you're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm purposely not going to respond to what I stepped on your back. No, 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 no. No, no more. This is supposed to be lightning round, Brian. Did you not hear me? Lightning round. All right, Kendall, you're up, man. Sure. And I don't say any of this to, to pick on Phil because it's not Phil's fault. It's Trump's fault. Trump doesn't have a plan, and that's why Phil can't give us a plan. So any frustration or whatever I, I express did. is not targeted at no, you didn't. But uh, in a hundred days, Joe Keep Biden a secure will border. Pretty, it's a simple plan. It's just what's simple. the plan? That's not a plan. Secure the border. That's not a plan. What's the plan? In a hundred days, there was Joe the Biden wish will. list of Biden's health care. Okay, okay. Phil, Phil, knock it off. All right, go, Kendall, go. Hundred days. First hundred days. Immediately reverse Trump administration. Cruel and senseless. Obviously terrible policies. Separate children from their parents at the border. I don't know how neither of them talked about that. Uh, in detrimental asylum policies, ending metering, speeding up application processing. I've got the show to myself. All oh. you. 
<laughs> Surge humanitarian resources to the border, FOSTIC public-private initiatives, in prolonged detention and reinvest the case management programs, stop funding for the wall, invest that in the infrastructure and points of entry, protect dreamers and their families, rescind the un-American Muslim bans, review temporary protected status for this fleeing war and national disasters. None of this is complicated. It's all stuff that we've had before. Trump just rolled it all back because he's racist. Ensure that ICE and Customs and Border uh, abide by professional standards are accountable for inhumane treatment. Then he will go to work on moder modernizing the immigration system by creating a roadmap for citizenship for the 11 million people who have lived and contributed for years in this society. In 2015, the IRS collected $23.6 billion from 4.4 million workers without social security numbers, many of whom were undocumented. So yes, they do contribute. Reform visas, uh, they contribute in many ways is what I meant to say. Um, they, uh, we will reform visas uh, to work for temporary and seasonal workers in select industries. We will allow cities and counties uh, the chance to petition for visa immigrants to support growth. We will implement effective border screening by investing in better technology, improving cross-agency collaboration, and working with Canada and Mexico's partners. And like, there's like so much more. Like that's like half, and I think I even cut out half. That might be a quarter of what Biden has on his website. So again, just to beat the same old drum, Joe Biden has the plans. If yeah. you're looking for plans, if you're looking for direction. So certainly some some of that that's good and certainly it's much more humane than than Trump's policy, which is racist and cruel and turns Mexicans and the Chinese into the scapegoats for everything. It's still a bunch of micro it's still micromanaging. Why not just cut through all of that and say, hey, you want to come here? Cool. Do you have anything? Do you have any weird diseases you can spread to anyone? No? Cool. You can work. You can be here. You can work. Stay as long as you like. We're happy to have you. It's a four-sentence immigration policy rather than 100 pages. And I actually read through Biden's policy document uh, and the, the compromise plan that came out of the uh, of the uh, um, of the you know the conversation with with the Bernie camp and everything. It was a lot of micromanagement for stuff that should be three sentences. It really, really was. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. I, I disagree fundamentally. Trusting the goodwill of people to just pay for schools and comparing it to hamburgers and everybody come here and we're going to trust that you don't have a disease. And I mean, all of that, like, like there are well, rules, Smokey. This is Vietnam. Like, we used to have charity hospitals before they were actually regulated out of existence. But yeah, you could actually go to Catholic charity hospitals. And if you just needed a few stitches or just some simple basic health care, it would be completely free to the person going there. But they got regulated We're out of existence. We're not going existence. backwards. We're not going backwards. <laughs> we are not going backwards. If you elect Donald Trump, you're going backwards. But for Joe Biden. You listen to me. Okay, you that's really it. The guy who voted for I'm the Iraq War. Off. Yeah, Biden. <laughs> Which brings uh, us to our next subject, foreign oh, policy. policy. Oh, which is, this is Brian's favorite. Brian's favorite. This was his Finally. thing. Okay, so we're each going to get 30 seconds. <laughs> oh. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. All right, Phil, you're up first. Uh, let's hear it. What's his policy? What are we doing? Uh, he, he started drawing down. Is he going to continue? Okay, now, now, Kendall, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be reading from Trump's website. It's not there. Word, word it's on not this. there. That's the whole point. Actually, it's the not uh, even party on platform website. is actually, you can actually read the party platform. It's but from 2016. Anyways, they didn't even rewrite it. It's from 2016. Because we still need to get a couple of things done. But anyhow. You've got four years. Sorry. And a lot of obstruction right, and nonsense. Because Phil, your Phil side couldn't accept a loss in 2016. So sorry. So okay, sorry. Phil. But, Phil, policy. So the policy of... 
Donald Trump's foreign policy has been a tremendous success over the four, last four years, and it really can't be interpreted in any other way. And here is actually a way of measuring it. ISIS was a huge problem four years ago. We all remember ISIS. The caliphate was growing. It is now pretty much almost gone, and I don't know if any of you realize this, but in the year 2019, does anybody in our audience know how many deaths could be contributed in the United States of America to Islamic terrorism? The number is zero. Zero deaths in the United States were attributed to Islamic terrorism. That is a tremendous job by any measure that you want to take it at. And if you want to take it out of just that one particular region, let's look around a little bit and go over to North Korea, say. Folks in Hawaii four years ago were worried about Kim Jong-un dropping a missile on them. And now we are at more peaceful relations in that in era than we have been. We're in more peaceful relations with that area. There we go. I got it. In that area than we have been in 50 years. We have, he has brought us closer to a lasting peace on the Korean Peninsula than any other president that you can name since the beginning of that problem. Also, let's not forget the peace accord that he actually just got in the Middle East, where now Arab nations are starting to recognize Israel, the most significant foreign policy peace deal of the last 40 years has all been achieved by one Donald J. Trump. And he has done such a tremendous job of foreign policy that we don't even really talk about it anymore because now we're just talking about the few things that he hasn't quite gotten accomplished yet. That's how much of a great job he's done. Contrasting that with Joe Biden, who did vote for the Iraq war and Obama and Biden did destabilize Libya. Now they have open air slave markets that are existing as we speak in Libya. So that's the foreign policy you can expect from uh, good old Joe versus Donald Trump, who's done more to bring peace in our world than any president in the 21st century bar none. But does he have a Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> Not yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> okay, Kendall, you're up. Yeah. yeah, Kendall, you're up. Um, so I won't read through all of this one. You know my shtick at this point. But um, Will he vote for the Iraq war again? Does he think there's still some work to be done in Iraq? <laughs> Let's pull out of the Iran nuclear. I don't know what to tell you, dude. Um, so a big part Good. of Joe's policy is that like domestic policy helps uh, our, our stature around the globe. And so he's just got this line. I'm looking for it now and I can't find it. But it's not about just the uh, the power of uh, of our country, but also the, the power of um, our example. Um, Joe Biden is going to build a summit for democracy, and that agenda is to combine all the democracies of the globe and fight corruption, defend against authoritarianism, including election security. That didn't come up from Phil. Uh, advance human rights in their own nations and abroad. Oh, um, Joe Biden will equip our no people film. to succeed. Oh, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> In a global economy by rebuilding the middle class here at home, ensuring that there are high, there's high paying work here, raising minimum wage of $15, generating 10 million new jobs with the clean new energy opportunity for innovation, expanding that to quantum computing, arti artificial intelligence, 5G and high speed rail. Um, on global threats in forever wars, elevate diplomacy, standard stuff, standard stuff that sounds so boring whenever you're dealing with a guy like Trump. I, uh, I yield my time. 
because Trump is so <laughs> dynamic and just so, but, but yeah. Uh, like, this is Lindsey Graham. I'm Lindsey Graham and this is hell. <laughs> <laughs> but oh no, not our stature, anything but our precious stature. Oh, uh, I'll tell you the world. Right. Other readers don't like us. Go ahead, Brian. All right, Brian. Brian's up. How you both suck. So, <laughs> oh, I, I, I fancy now. All right. So, both of you alluded to a couple places where you are the broken clock that is right twice a day. Yes, Trump absolutely, Trump's making peace with North Korea, or at least moving in that direction, was good. Trump not bombing anyone new, it's good. But, you know, pissing on Cuba, pissing on Iran, that was absolutely stupid. I mean, it was one of the two, basically the only two good things that came out of the Obama administration that wasn't a Supreme Court decision, and Trump just crapped all over that. And Biden, Biden wants to talk about peace when he was the architect of the, and, and ending the forever wars, when he was the architect, the congressional architect of Iraq War II, really? When he did nothing, when, when Obama was destroying Libya? I mean, come on, let, let's be real here. <clears throat> the duopoly is really the war party. This is the problem. This is one of the biggest problems with the duopoly. The war party, war has been bipartisan post-World War II. And every stupid war we have fought without a congressional declaration of war, as required by the Constitution, mind you, has come back to bite us in the ass. Whether it was Vietnam, whether it was Korea, whether it was Iraq, whether it was <clears throat> whether it was Panama, all of the whether it was our intervention through Plan Colombia in South America, <clears throat> we have spent fantastic amounts of money made generations of broken veterans, killed lots of Americans, caused an astounding amount of civilian deaths all over the world, made more enemies than we can count, and, and used it as a tool to justify oppression at home in the form of the Patriot Act, in the form of domestic spying, in the form of, of stupid immigration restrictions and all sorts of other things, in the form of FBI, you know, FBI foiling their own terror plots and everything else. And for what? What has it gotten us? And the answer is absolutely nothing. And here, I think, is where the libertarian approach truly shines. We believe in peace and free trade. Full stop. <clears throat> As Jorgensen has said, we want to make America one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. And it's worked And Switzerland's in a much more dangerous neighborhood than, I, than we are. And yet somehow neutrality and peace has worked out pretty well for them for the past, oh, several hundred years. And we had between a, a much smaller professional military that was home and an armed populace, I don't really think there's anyone that's going to want to mess with us too much, especially if we are the marketplace of the world, as we are and can be even more if we actually, if we actually have proper free trade. Right now, we are we are involved in I don't want to think how many we, you know the, the so many conflicts in the Middle East. We're still meddling in Central and South America for whatever reason, despite a you know, hundred year track record showing how that's a bad idea. We're in all these wars that have nothing to do with the United States. You want to talk about deaths from Islamic terrorism? Sure. There were no deaths from Islamic terrorism because Islamic terrorism isn't a threat. There is not a Muslim majority country in the world that has a delivery system that can, or a military that can remotely pose a threat to us unless we go into their backyard. And that should be very telling. We have troops in over 140 countries. Why? Why in the world should we do that? We need to bring all of the troops home. We need to end all of the wars. And then when we're, we're done with that, we need to really look at what the heck we've done and figure out 
that, that there's that there's a better approach. All it's done is kill people, make enemies, and ultimately cost a phenomenal amount of blood and treasure, justify oppression at home, and make the world less safe for Americans. We need to make peace, we need to talk to people, and we need to set a good example rather than force of arms. Uh, you, you raised some excellent points there, Brian. You know, peace is the one thing that I think we should all want. And that's why I'm voting for Donald Trump, the president that's helped bring about more peace in our world than any president in the 21st century. So that, why are we still why are we still funding Saudi Arabia's war in Yemen then? Why why have we shifted from from our you know paying of doing it's our, not our okay? Are you saying because we send money to them and then they do it for better? Yeah, that yeah, why I, I get what you're saying there, but that's not us actually spreading war. We can Syria, we can we, try and negotiate with them, and we can try and bring that to a stop. And it's bad, but you're saying any single bullet that flies around the world is now on Trump. That's not exactly accurate. The man is doing his goddamn best to bring about peace in the Middle East. We're getting Arab countries to actually recognize Israel for the first time. We're Those actually making progress. I get it. It's not going to be perfect, but let's not try to make the perfect the enemy of the good here. Maybe if we just stop subsidizing Israel to the tune of $3 billion a year, everyone would be, be I think we should stop subsidizing pretty much most foreign countries. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, we got enough we could spend that money here at home on. Like, I, I'm with you on that. So, but yeah, now, granted, I'm just generally, as a matter of fact, anti-war. If the vote comes up, should we go to war? My vote's no. And so that's why I do appreciate the fact that one of the first Republicans I've voted for in a long time didn't take us to goddamn war. So I, I can actually appreciate that. So that's um, when we're talking about, uh, you know, we need to stop this and pull back from different corners of the country world. I agree with you. And that's why I think Trump's going to get us at least closer to that. Is he going to be perfect? Is he going to create nirvana upon this world? No, no. If that's what you're thinking, any candidate's going to give you uh, that that's delusional, but He's going to move us in the right direction. And what else can we want for now? Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> All right, Kendall, do you have any follow-up on that? Are you good? I'm good. Okay. Uh, so let's move on to – I think we're going to – I was going to have one more uh, policy question, but I think we're just going to skip that one and go right to listening. Oh, taxes? You want to skip taxes? Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's come on. The libertarian and the Republican are like, rabble, rabble, rabble. All right, basically, my only line for taxes, I'll just save you all time, folks. Biden all right, Phil was going to go first anyway. All right. Biden we didn't has, come here for your line, Phil. We came here for Biden Trump's plan. Biden has promised he is going to lower your taxes or increase your taxes. Biden has promised he will get rid of the Trump tax cut. Trump is going to try and actually cut more taxes. Biden has promised to raise your taxes. So folks in the audience, Pull out your wallets, take a good long look at it, and realize it's going to be a lot lighter under Joe Biden. Not if you're bad. in the one percent, if you're in the top one, no, the tax I... cut was for everybody. Everybody's taxes were cut under Trump's tax cut, and he said he's going to repeal the Trump tax cut. Everybody's taxes are going up. Take a good look at your wallet, Kendall, because it's about to get a lot lighter under Biden. <laughs> It's already fucking light. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter who's president. Oh, yeah. yeah. It can get right, lighter, man. Right, Trust me. Under a Democrat, it can get a lot lighter. All right. Brian, so, all you, man. 
All right. <laughs> I'll be right back. I don't know. I'm going to throw all, my, all the libertarian listeners a little bit of red meat. Taxation yeah. is theft. Uh-huh. Let's start there. And Jorgensen and Cohen have made major campaign promises out of rep- out of abolishing the IRS and repealing the income tax. Not worrying about who gets what and who gets this little dinky dignation and dinky deduction, dinky deduction, this and there. No, get rid of the income tax. It should not exist, and it is it is a penalty for work. No way. Beyond that, we can also start. Here, here. The- we can start to look at uh, to eventually converting government possibly to a system of user fees. There's there We can get rid of a lot of the hidden regulations that drive up the cost of goods and services. Taxation is, is a plague upon the American people, especially not just the basic principle of taxation itself, but especially when you look at what it pays for. When, oh, ooh, I get the focus again. Now I feel all special. When you look at the fact that it pays for billions and trillions of dollars of bailouts to big corporations and the 1%. When it, lo- when it, when it pays for trillions in, in loans, in secret loans to foreign banks. When it pays to kill people overseas that never did a damn thing to me or mine or my country. How in the world can we possibly support that? Be still, my beat. I think my heart skipped a beat there, Brian. Oh, man, this, this motherfucker's spitting over here. Oh, man. Oh. All right, so, Kevin. Oh. Really, let's hear it. I'll make it very fast. Joe Biden is not going to raise your taxes unless you're in the top 1%. He has promised in the same way that Phil says that there's an executive order protecting pre-existing conditions. I'm going to use the same line here. If you make less than $400,000 a year, your taxes will not go up. I should not quote George H.W. Bush here, read my lips, but that is the case. Um, He will repeal the corporate tax cuts written by FedEx corporations lobbyists with Paul Ryan uh, and corporations will pay their fair share and we will all be better for it. Yeah, you can find them online. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a dick. Uh, Nice line for it there, Phil. That was good. Awesome, guys. All right. So that's it for policy questions. Fantastic. Uh, let's, get fantastic. The, let's get to the real we're only like we're only, we're only like a half hour behind schedule. That's cool. No, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Which that's right on schedule for me. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing great. I'm 10 minutes ahead of schedule. Uh, <laughs> so right, now let's, let's get to the real meat and bones. This is what we've all been looking forward to. The listener questions. Oh yeah, bring it all on. All right, listener questions. Let's hit we'll hit Instagram first. Uh, all right. um Someone sent that over in the private chat. It says, uh, what would the candidate do to unify the country after election? So who wants to go first? Uh, I can take that one. Brian, you're up. Yeah. So first off, you know, I think if you want to talk about uh, if you want to talk about unifying the country, let's look. We, you know, we didn't really touch on criminal justice, which has been something that's been on everyone's mind over the past year. And criminal justice, I think, is is the it's kind of the elephant in the room for a lot of people. It is, I would say, probably the most divisive issue in our country. I mean, there are other things. There's abortion. There's war. There's other things. But I think criminal justice right now is at the forefront. And we have police that are murdering people, and we have and we have people striking back and frustrated and acting out of out of out of long pent up rage over what they see as police being an occupying army in in their country. One of the other big issues of libertarians generally and the Jurgens and Cohen campaign specifically has been ending the drug war completely. 
legalize everything and, and pardon and exonerate its victims. It's also about ending qualified immunity, ending civil asset forfeiture, and demilitarizing the police. Between that and bringing the troops home and bringing peace, that will help create I think that will go a long way towards healing the rifts in our country because that's going to uh, address the fundamental underlying causes of why everybody's so pissed, why police are pissed at the citizenry, why the citizenry is pissed at police, and why we're all fighting each other. It's ultimately because of a bad law that's created this horrible, horrible division in our country. If we get rid of that, that will go a long way towards healing the rift in our country. And then if you actually bring peace to the world by bringing our troops home, by not making enemies, by not shooting at people that did nothing else to us, that will create, if you'll forgive me for borrowing a Republican tagline, a true culture of life in this country and give all of us the chance not to get forgiven. to work. And <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> it, it'll, uh, it'll give all of us a chance to get back to work and to live our lives and to freely interact with each other as the free individual citizens that we are. All right, Kendall. I think that COVID is has been a, a pressure cooker for the last eight, if not longer, months. And I think that drawing out one crisis on top of another with, like Brian mentioned, police brutality, income inequality, the lack of health care, low wages. We need progressive policy. And like the truth of the matter is that progressive policies are popular in the states. Now, progressive uh, policies are more popular than even Joe Biden. Um, and we can get into discussions on how that works within the Democratic Party. But the truth of the matter is that people need leadership. And Joe Biden has built a career and, and a legacy on exactly that. Um, you can go on his website, you can find all of the policies and more that I've listed uh, here tonight. But People are looking for help and direction, and Donald Trump is mean and divisive and uh, a terrible, terrible leader. And I think that Joe Biden will be an excellent unifier in just drawing, um, you know, he calls it the battle for the soul of the nation. And it's all about empathy. From this point on, we've all got to learn how to walk in another's shoes and, um, and take care of one another. So how would that, I, I don't mean to be facetious, or how would that help, how would Biden help bring the nation together through that, though? How would that, because like that, that, that sounds wonderful, but we're going to have a very divided nation. So I'm just curious, how would Joe Biden actually bring us together? Yeah, for the larger part of the last hour, I mean, I've, I've discussed the policies and plans for those progressive things uh, in this talk. And so like returning decency uh, to wage so that when people are working, like everything that he's talking about, everything that these policies address is exactly that. And your candidate has no direction. Not only does he have no direction, he's a terrible person. So like, there's there's no leadership. Like, no, not terrible person. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, Don't take this the wrong way, Kendall. But the right is well beyond any point of insults landing or having. Oh, I'm not any talking to the right. Anymore. I'm not talking to the well, right. Well, I'm, well, well, I'm talking about talking about Trump or his supporters or any of them. When you say a terrible person, like eh, that, that, the pretty much the whole right has been called everything in the book, and so that just doesn't really land anymore. So I was it's like, oh no, not a terrible you. person. Trump's okay, a so terrible person. Well, you know, that's also kind of reflective of Trump's supporters. But um, so how is Trump going to bring us together? Yep. Is, how will Trump bring us together? 
Well, like I was alluding to a little earlier. Hey, there we go. Kendall, stay very on brand. Uh, as we were talking a little bit earlier, Donald Trump did stand over one of the greatest economies in American history. Once we do actually get past COVID and we start to, and we do have a vaccine coming along the way, and we are going to get to a point when, and you're going to see it soon, when COVID-20 actually starts to mutate in, it's going to be a weaker and weaker and weaker virus. And when people actually can start to get jobs again, when people can actually start to support themselves again, when the economy is no longer destimulated, when people can actually interact with each other in ways that aren't just protests and people getting angry at each other over elections, I think we will actually start to see things come together. Donald Trump wants to cut taxes. He's even said he's willing to work on things like Bren, or Brian even said, criminal justice reform, which he has passed some. He said he's open to the idea of decriminalizing marijuana. I think that would be a good olive branch across the aisle to actually bring people together. So when you're saying, what's the plan? Donald Trump has actually said he's willing to give on a plan that the Democrats want. So that's actually a little bit of that forbearance, a little bit of Weed? reach across the aisle. What's that? Weed? Oh, yeah. He, he's actually said he's uh, open to decriminalizing marijuana. Yeah. So that if you're wondering how would we actually bring together and also, That'd you be know, I think states could smoke up, man. We would unify, right? <laughs> right? Also, yes, uh, police reforms are definitely needed. I said months ago that it would be a good idea, and Trump said he's open to the idea of body cameras on every single police officer. I think that's a must. I don't really think we should even wait for that anymore. So how do we unify greater accountability in our law enforcement? at least one reaching across the aisle of some bill that the other side wants. If Joe Biden gets in, you know, he should probably think about doing the same as well. But that's how we're actually going to be able to come back together as a nation is the economy is going to improve. We're going to be able to actually go back to work. We're going to be able to interact with each other and we're going to have a little bit of forbearance, hopefully. Big word, Phil. I know, I know. <laughs> Quickly, I mean, it is exactly the character, <clears throat> the person of Joe Biden, like almost to sometimes controversy, his ability to work across the aisle is what he's best known for, whereas Donald Trump supplies aid to states based on which way they voted. Then why did Biden say the reason he couldn't get anything done in the debates is, oh, we, we had a Republican Congress. If he's so great at working across it, that was his whole appeal. He can reach across the aisle and he can work with other people and tell, you know, he can't at all. So uh, that, that's a good like tagline. Like he was able to work with Republicans back in the 90s. I get it. But when you were the ones that were workable. But now with Mitch McConnell, you just shut everything down. Merrick Garland is a perfect example of that. But let's not talk about the Supreme Elections Court. have consequences. What can you say? <laughs> oh, let's not go there. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, I went there. Oh, I went God. there. Oh, no. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, All he right. did. ACB yeah. <laughs> on the board of the Supreme. What I love is that you guys are finding common ground, but neither of you go nearly far enough on this. The solution is simple. You have a giant pile of government in the way. Don't dilly-dally it or half-measure it or pick at the edges. Get rid of it. How did you feel, honestly, how did you feel about Marion Williamson? Are you familiar? 
I wish she was on every fucking debate. Now, I don't know if you know this. She was Oprah's friend, and she's like trying to feel the water for when Oprah decides to eventually run. So get ready for that. She's the spiritual advisor. She's RuPaul's spiritual advisor, too. Is RuPaul going to run? Let's <laughs> say never can have money or exposure <laughs> or recognition. So okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Let's get to another question. Let's get to another question. The only the only Democratic candidate that really interested me in the primary was Tulsi Gabbard because she oh, was God, to call, terrible. She dared to call you know to question the foreign policy establishment. Um, once it's I found out. Once I found out a bit more about Bernie's record on foreign policy, I realized, okay, you know what? A Bernie presidency checked by Trump judges would would be the least bad option, but I was far more interested in my own party's primary. We actually had a lot of really great candidates, and we had the strongest field in years, in decades even. Um, and even though Jorgensen was was not my first choice, uh, you know, she's someone that I'm I'm super enthusiastic about and that everyone who was running had no problems endorsing. All yeah. right, hold on. We're going to the next question. All right, going on to the next question. Yeah, hold on. Here we go. Oh, oh it's a question. Oh, it's a long one. That's a long one. Okay, I'm. So everyone can read here, right? So, yes. I'm, and we we saw this before, but for the people at home, here you go. What you previewed the questions before the show? Oh. <laughs> 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 to be fair. To be fair, like, I wasn't really yeah. listening. So <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, the Wisconsin court ruled that absentee ballots are not going to be read if they pass the due date, right? Okay. So the question is, do you think this is how absentee ballots should be conducted? Secondarily, do you think the ruling on this should impact the 2020 election? Uh, well, it, it's gonna, right? At least in Wisconsin, yeah. anyway, it yeah. will. Uh, so... Uh, and because of that, potentially thousands that may not be able to access uh, a polling place in person or receive their ballot in time for the new uh, for the return for the newly specified date. So, um, on, if let me oh, just ahead. end here. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to. All right. Here we nice. go. Uh, if the ballots are not postmarked by election day, they shouldn't be counted period like that that the election day is the constitution states the first tuesday in november and we all kind of know about that by now like at this point you should be well aware that this is election day and uh to me i don't think that's what it is though is it is it that or is it if they arrive after it said received by november 3rd because postmark would be different i I believe the decision was actually received by november 3rd okay all right Okay. Yep. But so regardless, uh, I think this is just another example, yet another example of why I implore everybody, get your ass to the polling place on election day. That is the one ballot that is the least likely to get thrown out from some judge's ruling. You know damn well the ballots being counted on election day will be counted because you know there's going to be some chicanery with a few mail-in ballots somewhere to the point where there's going to be a challenge in some state over something. The likelihood of that is pretty much 100%. 
So the best way that you can make sure that your vote counts is show up at the polling place and vote that day. That's what I'm going to do. And I encourage everybody to do the same. Because, I mean, let's be frank here, guys. Is there anybody here that truly, truly, honest to God, trusts this mail-in voting system and that thinks there's going to be zero fraud? Think this is just going to be? Yes, I trust it. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I trust it. Okay, if you had a winning lottery ticket, would you send it in the mail or would you take it yourself? That's so weird that you like look up. Would you do that though? No. (laughs) (laughs) Would you send it in the mail or would you take it? (laughs) I don't even know which way to look. (laughs) Me neither, man. If if you had won the Powerball lottery and hey, I got all these millions, would you send it in the mail or take it in yourself? And if you take it in yourself, the the exact same, it actually is. The fact that you wouldn't take it, you wouldn't send it in the mail and you take it in yourself shows that, you know, I'm not going to leave this up to anybody else. There's way too much incentive for anybody along this custody chain for it to get fucked up a little bit. And guess, and also, I just don't, is the argument that people don't cheat when it's easy to do so? I mean, that that's what's going to happen. This has already happened in counties. No, but you're seeing Republicans for- already cheating. That's exactly what this law in Wisconsin is. And like, you're trying to divert from that. But I live. What in do you mean by that? Where Greg Abbott, where Greg Abbott, how are Republicans cheating? I'm, I'm, I'm not. Republicans know that if everyone votes, they lose. There are less Republicans than there are Democrats, not even including independents. So Greg Abbott, people voting after the election, they're probably going to lose because the Democrats received after the election, postmarked by election day. That's the law. Yeah, if it's postmarked on election day, yeah, that's fine. Count the ballot. But in Pennsylvania, they were trying to get ballots 10 days after the election to still be counted. Received. That's horseshit. Postmarked, that's- postmarked by the third and received up to 10 days. Because no, no, the, the, postmaster- the law that went to the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania stated postmarked 10 days after. And that had to get struck down. So that's, so that's why I'm saying that – I think you're – I don't know what that is. But that's why I'm saying – Get it postmarked on the third, but otherwise, folks, get your ass to the polling place because let's be frank, the likelihood of some judge's gavel hitting his desk and some number of mail-in votes being thrown out in some state, Kendall, Brian, what would you put the odds on that? Is that less than 100%? (laughs) No, I wouldn't take that bet. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. I'll scratch your point on that one. Yeah, so uh, that's that's why I say go vote in person, folks. Trust me. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm I'm actually in a kind of unique position here. California's mail-in system, actually, you know, as much as I find the politics in my state generally intolerable, we do elections really, really well, and our we have, and especially since we've gone uh, away from precincts and towards, uh, you know, uh, state statewide or countywide rather polling centers that you can go to that, that wherever you live, you can just go to any polling center in that County and, and vote. And everybody in the, in the state got a mail-in ballot and you can check online whether your ballot has been received usually within a day or two. I mean, California credit where credit is due. That is an example of government doing something right. God, I can't, I feel dirty just saying that my, my libertarian credit is just gone. Now that said, uh, yeah, you need to leave now. I know. I gotta <laughs> Turn in your libertarian card. I know, I know. They don't believe in cards. <laughs> Damn. I actually, 
Uh, but anyway, no, I would say that um, that uh, in general, though, I would oppose the, the Supreme Court ruling. If a, if a ballot is postmarked by Election Day, especially in light of a pandemic, that ballot needs to be counted. Moreover, I think yeah. it's a, you know, I, I, I'm generally with Kendall. I'm, I'm really, I think both of you guys were both dancing around basically the same position on, on this. I would just add that the machinations going on around it are, I think, part of a bigger trend of voter suppression. And this is another thing I've done some research on. So actual voter fraud, like good old-fashioned ballot stuffing, is pretty rare, and it, and it happens, but it has a, essentially a statistically insignificant effect on any election bigger than dog catcher. Um, but what does happen is all sorts of dirty tricks. Nope, and happened this year pretty heavy. Uh, no, in the it, Democratic it, it, primary in Georgia, there was a uh, quite a bit of ballot stuffing, turned 1,000 votes into 2,000 votes in the Georgia primary. That could have been the difference between putting Bernie over the top, folks. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, this is... Uh, what uh, anywhere close. Yeah, no, look, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but it happens it's John very But if we want to talk about voter suppression, um, the dirty tricks that are well within the letter of the law to do, things like reducing the number of polling places, things like... Uh, yeah. you know, the, the, things like um, you know the the ID check to uh, to to vote, which you know as always usually is is a political football. If you want to talk about um, you know uh, if you want to talk about moving polling places away from communities of color or, or away from population centers, or if you want to talk about the major parties suing to keep third parties off the ballot or the ballot access or the onerous ballot access laws or the signature requirements. I mean, there's there's a lot of dirty tricks that go on. I mean, I'm Again, I, I, if you're talking about the Wisconsin lawsuit specifically, you know, that's uh, I mean, that's something that I think we all agree on is is not the best thing. If you want to talk about go vote in person, if you're able to do so, I'm completely with Phil. If you want to talk about the broader trend of both parties trying to rig the game, though, they do. And it's bullshit. Brian, I like, how you, I like how you went left field, but you brought it right back. <laughs> Thank you. That is I, that something good. I've. I've addressed over at the dog and chicken show before is one of the big concerns why the Republicans are going to do everything they can, their power to stop any attempt at packing the Supreme court, because the way that we kind of look at it is if the Supreme court is allowed to be packed and you being a third party supporter, you can also understand this. Oh, yeah, the Democrats, the Democrats will modify the system so that they can effectively never lose again. And the Republicans will look a lot like a third party. And so that's why we're about? so worried about it. <laughs> well, he's talking about gaming the system. Okay. So I was talking about the yeah, biggest gaming the system the same thing, issue yeah, of the right wing. You're right. That's and, the and biggest thing that the right's worried about right now. In yeah, terms and of in California, we have this idiotic uh, top two primary system, which basically means that third party candidates will never be again be on the general, on the ballot in the general, except for presidency, which they the state has no control over. So yeah, it, and, and California has modified the system so that the Republicans can effectively never take statewide office. Isn't that correct? Uh, no, actually, um, from what I understand, it, it, we're just a very heavily blue state. Admittedly, we're a strip of blue on the coast surrounded by a sea of red as you get into the rural areas and and what everybody forgets that california is actually the biggest farm state in the country but there are a lot of blue people and just um a couple of years back we actually modified our redistricting system so now at least theoretically it's an objective commission i mean gerrymandering still happens but it happens less it's just there's a lot of, there's just a lot of blue people in the state all right let's to hear go about on to another question yeah all right so <laughs> that uh, this one's kind of a funny one. Hold on here. 
right up my alley. No. What what possesses either of you to believe you're in fact the best choice to run our country? And then the the direct follow up to that is, Miss Jorgensen, explain to them why you are okay. So, oh, okay, well. so Mr. Doyle has been on our uh, Dad's <laughs> Worldwide before. He's a funny sure. man, so yeah, right. he's a good one. <laughs> right, well, uh, so I, I I am not Miss Jorgensen. I can't rock a pantsuit nearly yeah. as or a blue blazer nearly as well as she can, and I'm a terrible hockey player. I think you should try. We'll wait. I, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> Uh, but I can say that, that why Miss Jorgensen or Mrs. Jorgensen? Well, because a couple of uh, Norwegian and Danish immigrants decided to come to this country in uh, the early 1900s, and eventually uh, Joanne Jorgensen resulted. And um, you know, she's uh, we're all glad that she that she did. So that's why that's why Mrs. Jorgensen. And then she's Mrs. Jorgensen because at some point she married a guy and became went from Miss to Mrs. There we go. They, and. Uh, she did marry a drummer, though, which I suppose is my one objection. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's go on to a serious question well, here. What, why am what, I? Oh, dang it. I was going to uh, say, well, I'm a perfect person to run the country. Oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Phil. Not you. Ah, but, but, you know, I'd like to see it. You'd at least be entertaining. <laughs> Phil for president, 2024. Phil for president. Yes. What can you do to make post- secondary education affordable for everyone all right who wants to go first so what would your candidate do general you want to take this one i mean i've got an answer but i've, I've kind of stepped on you tonight and i don't want to do that no anymore. you're fine i, I have a post-secondary i'm going to sound like an idiot is that just like a college is that yeah, college like... college yeah yeah college. yeah post-secondary anything after high school okie doke um joe biden has a plan um for uh, eventually moving toward uh, funded, uh, uh, forgive me, community college. He's got a plan for relieving debt. Um, and I think that's in the first 180 days. He's talking about relieving 90% of student loan debt or, or granting 90% of people uh, with $10,000 in support of that. Um, I don't well, want to like- thank you, Justin, Chris. <laughs> google it right here but i, I democrats this is like a, part of the democratic pl platform is is running on issue the issue of 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 bringing down the cost of college and um guaranteeing opportunity for everybody so what does trump have to say for that i don't know what does joe, joe have to say i the other joe i don't know sure sure um when it comes that. to uh free college um one of the ways that it, that's one of those things that if you actually did make college free for everyone, it is kind of one of those unfortunate realities that you will kind of inflate the value of a college degree. And it, it's not going to mean quite the same. Now, the best way you can actually bring costs down for all colleges. Now, this is actually going to cause some pain for a couple of universities. And so that's probably why you're not going to see it. The way you bring costs down is you no longer have state-backed student loans, because then if they know that the loans are guaranteed by the government and you can't file for bankruptcy on them, the universities and colleges can bring their prices up and up and up and up because the government will back the loans forever. So if you actually wanted to bring the overall cost of university down, having these government guaranteed student loans go away is one of the ways to actually do it. 
All right, Brian. Uh, sure. So I would uh, I agree with bits of both of you. I mean, I definitely agree that student loan debt is out of control. Um, the costs of higher education are insane. And especially, again, having been a teacher in poor neighborhoods, it's often very prohibitively expensive for many of the students that I've taught to go to college or, and to pursue careers unless they either get massive student loans, they're on scholarship, or they become grist for the empire and join the military. None of which are especially great options for, for the most part. Yeah, I know. Um, so here's what, here's what the libertarian plan. Now, the libertarian approach looks, again, you have to look at the underlying cause. <clears throat> what is making education so expensive? And you have a combination. Phil, you, you touched on part of it, which is the fact that, which is the fact that the government has gotten involved in school Not policy. as entertaining as me, baby. And guaranteed student loans to all these institutions and eliminated bankruptcy protection for people that can't afford to pay them back. Also, though, why is a college degree so much more necessary? Why is, edu why is formal education so much more necessary? A lot of it goes to uh, the increase in occupational licensing, as well as the fact that, uh, that, that so, many, so many more jobs require education and the death of apprenticeships. And so you need to address both. So what the libertarian plan is, first off, uh, Jorgensen Cohen administration will forgive all student loan debt, period. They'll just write it off. However, after that, the federal government will no longer be in the business of student loans, period. It will get out of the education business because the federal government has no business in education and it's not allowed to be in education under the 10th Amendment, which, you know, since education is not an enumerated power, the federal government is not allowed to be involved in education. After that, and admittedly, there's a little less that you can do at the federal level. This is more of a state issue, and, and a few states have actually made moves in the right directions. After that, though, you need to work on occupational licensing, dramatically reduce the amount of occupational licensing uh, and the number of professors that require licenses, as well as the educational requirements for those licenses. And you need to bring back, you need to uh, recognize licenses across state lines, and that actually might be a role for the federal government because of the Interstate Commerce Clause. You need to recognize internationally granted licenses so our immigrants can come here and work easier. And then you need to make sure that apprenticeships are actually a thing. And so people can actually train in the professions they work and use that professional experience as a way of being able to, to practice their trade and not just needing a degree to do it. Perfect. All right, guys. Uh, one more list. Uh, two more listener questions. Uh, sure. Actually, let's hit. Uh, are, we, are we getting the fun one? What's up? Are we getting the fun one? Oh yes, I was gonna do that one right now for you, Brian. <laughs> Hooray! Yeah. The third party. Why do you have a chance? Uh, why do we have a chance? First off, because we are on the ballot in all fifty plus one ballots, all fifty states, and I believe it's Washington D.C. is the other presidential ballot. We are. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've seen the. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> Phil is. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. He's been infected by something. I don't really know. He's got uh, you know jock itch or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, people are going to be listening to this as audio and not going to understand right. it at all. I do apologize because you are yeah. anybody listening audio, you're missing an A plus yeah. performance. Absolutely. He's tripped over himself twice. Uh, <laughs> so, 
Anyway, so uh, no, so uh, we are the Libertarian Party is the only third party to be on all fifty plus one ballots in consecutive election cycles in United States history, and we've done it, I believe, in four out of the last five election cycles. I've I've heard these you know bullshit sports metaphors lately about you know you aren't in the finals and blah blah blah, or you're you're the team that didn't make the World Series. No, we are there. We are in the World Series. We are in the final. We are on every ballot. And we are just as mathematically eligible to win as any other candidate. Moreover, libertarians do win. We have over 200 elected officials at all levels of government. Um, right now, our highest our highest official is a county supervisor, actually not too far from me in uh, in California, which actually, when you look at how big California counties are and how many people that they represent, it's actually about the fourth or fifth highest elected office in the state. We have a very real shot at the Indiana governor's race with Donald Rainwater. We have a real shot at unseating Tom Cotton for the Arkansas Senate race with Ricky Dale Harrington Jr., who had, had a masterful debate performance where Tom Cotton even refu refused to show up. And I'll admit, Joe Jorgensen is an outside shot, but she is just as eligible as anyone else. And libertarians do win, and when we do win, we do good things in office. Like, for example, uh, the uh, mayor. there's a mayor in Ohio that just voted to legalize marijuana in our city and threw out every single traffic ticket that, wasn't for, that was just for speeding. Anything that didn't involve some, hurting someone else, she just threw out all of those traffic tickets. Nice. Flattery nice. will get you nowhere, Caitlin. Okay, I'm sorry, but uh, but it, it, and it, it, I'll read this one real quick. Big Buck and I wish Big Buck and Entertainment says I wish you had a chance. Libertarians need to get their shit together. The interaction with Phil is an example of why it will never work. Why? Well, thank you. This is coming from a libertarian. Uh, you don't stand your ground, play the game, it will never work. Now, if I could say just one thing to what you're saying there, and that I've, uh, Brandon, this is something, uh, we've had a little bit of discussions about this when it comes to third-party candidates. Um, it's whether you should write in a third-party candidate or go with one of the two major candidates, and it's something I've always been of two minds about, because whether you like Trump or Biden, we are going to get one of them all the same. But at the same time, I forget who said it, and it's, I would rather vote for what I don't want and get it, rather than vote for what I don't want and end up getting it. So I'll be honest, in 2008, I wrote in Ron Paul. I did not go with the Republican Party's candidate. And the fact that I stood on my principle there years later, I actually do feel a lot better about myself. So folks, and even Bernie bros within the sound of my voice. Trust me, if you don't want to vote for Joe and you write in Bernie Sanders, you're going to feel a lot better about it in the future than you will this time around. I get it. When the election's here, it seems like it's the end of nigh, the all is lost, the end is nigh. But trust me, if you stand on your principles a little bit, you'll actually be a lot happier with yourself. Are you trying to get Democrats to vote for Bernie? Is that what you're doing right I now? I don't. <laughs> what? Joe Biden is a say. Trojan horse for the socialists. I don't even know what to say to you, sir, Brendan. <laughs> but no, honestly, and get all the criminal justice reform and all the peace that Bernie had to offer, and all of the ending corporate welfare that Bernie had to offer. Jorgensen, you know, I'll make the appeal to the left. There's, we share many of the same concerns on the left as we share many of the same concerns of the right. If you're a disaffected Democrat, if you don't want to vote for the guy that, oh, hey, thank you, Caitlin. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you don't want to vote for the guy that was the architect of the Iraq war, that voted, that wrote the 94 crime bill, that supported the 96 crime bill, that, that wrote the Patriot Act and bragged about it and still brags about it, you can come to Jorgensen, who will repeal all of that garbage. Thank you. Or, you know, you can vote Trump. But that, yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Kendall, you got anything to add? I just, I, I don't want to like it, it, it. I don't know anything about Joe Jorgensen. That's kind of why I was excited to do tonight. It's a part of it. I like just absolutely nothing. Um, Come to the libertarian side. We have cookies. Uh, <laughs> I'm full. Are Thank they pot cookies? Uh, <laughs> they're, 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 they're weak cookies. Whoa. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so like within my own community, we've experienced police brutality and the killing of Tatiana Jefferson. So I've been uh, pretty active in the protesting that's been going on here, especially since the the uh, killing of George Floyd. And I understand the part of the protest, like the protest vote. I understand like voting on your values and voting on your morals and voting on that voice being important in an election. I understand um, you know, Elizabeth Warren was my candidate of choice in those primaries against 23 folk. And what she said so well is like small wins are small wins and you're not always going to get exactly what you want. But take those small wins as momentum and let them grow into the thing that you actually do want. So I just want to urge people like vote as close to your own ideals as possible. Sure, absolutely. But vote for the thing that will at least give you the chance for small wins, small wins, small wins. Um If you're if you're if you're protesting in a booth, and I don't like I, I don't mean this to sound as like um, uh, aggressive as I think that it might, but like protesting <laughs> in a booth. Die. No wait. Come on, man. Let it go. Oh, it's no, election no. season. Let it all out. Really, it, it, you know, you're still going to sound just fine compared to Phil. So it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Thank, thank you. You are the head of the game. <laughs> All right, go ahead, man. Go ahead. All of that said, I just think that protesting in a booth that's secret, it's secret because it's sacred and it's its built that way on purpose. If you're voting that way to protest, it's not protest. And, and I look forward to protesting. I look forward to holding Joe Biden's feet to the fire. I look forward to pulling Joe left and all candidates and all elected officials left. That's, those are my ideals. So I, I'm a little bit confused. Um, but I don't mean that. I, I would love to learn more. Huh? Curious. Sure. Okay. All right, let's go to our last listener question here. And if I could figure out how to work this thing. Yeah, and uh, uh, Kendall, I'll just say that um, if you'd like to know more, I'm happy to talk your off about libertarian stuff. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, please feel free to you know get in touch with me. Afterwards. Yeah, we'll connect. And I, oh, I yeah. also have some Green Party folks, too, if you'd like to learn more about the, the other big third party. Cool. Yeah. All right. So vote for the other, the other third party. <laughs> Maybe let's not throw in the word big. You're kind of being a little loose with the word big there. The other third party. <laughs> it's relative, I know. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt asks, uh, do you want to fight me separately or team? <laughs> um, I made sure, listen, I got you guys pertinent information that you, they, they yeah. might need height, weight, fight experience, etc. He said they should work as a team. So Ooh. I True yeah. tripartisanship. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, and now on to the serious one. Uh, Linda, she says, how can you make our medications safer and affordable in the U.S.? And I think we kind of 
we kind of touched on that in the uh, healthcare uh, section, but if we want to breeze on it real quick, just throw out there, uh, and uh, whoever wants to go first, hit it. Up. Let's go. Yeah, I'll take it. I, I reiterate, it, it's all about competition. You know, you have to, uh, getting rid of patent uh, protections, you have to allow drug reimportation, you have to uh, respect, uh, you know, recipro reciprocity of regulatory approval, if not outright repeal of, of, of certain regulatory approvals. And also, hopefully, new technologies will come online. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited. There, there's groups like the, what is it, the, uh, the Four Thieves Collective, I believe it's called, that are basically trying to create open source medication and do like the equivalent of 3D printing of, of medications and bring that to the world, just like say Bitcoin has, has tried to uh, open source currency or Linux has tried to open source software. I mean, I'm really, really excited by, by all of that. Uh, Kendall? Yeah, I, I would just reiterate all of the things in the Biden healthcare plan. Um, we talked about uh, buying uh, drugs across international lines. We talked about improving generics. Uh, we talked about having a plan at all. I think that that's a fantastic way to do it. Um, I do love the question that just rolled in about the electoral college, but yeah, I'll we'll hit that. We'll hit that one up go. in a second. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Bill. Much like Kendall, I'm going to just reiterate, you know, Trump's favorite nation plan. And also Brian did also really hit up on, I don't know if we need to eliminate all copyright patent protections altogether, but there certainly needs to be some reform to help streamline the process a little better to the point where we can actually get drugs to the market. And so, you know, because right now we, you know, the supply demand curve right now, the supply is not meeting the demand fucking at all. And the reason for that is a lot of patent trolling. So that's, you know, that is one of the reasons I see it. So you're absolutely right in that regard. But now moving right along to uh, an electoral college question. Electoral Woo! college. Oh, yeah. All right. So does a libertarian support getting rid of the electoral college in favor? Sure. Of so I have my own opinion, but let me see if there's uh, if the campaign has taken an official position. OK, so uh, you're looking that up, Kendall. What, what did you have to say about that? Obviously, I think it's one of the first things that we should get rid of. I, I, in the last, I, I fuck this up every time, but over the last seven or five, whatever, the Republicans win because the Electoral College gives votes to people uh, over other people. And a vote is a vote is a vote. And I, I think that it, like nationally that polls at like 72 percent or something like that. So oh, yeah. we'll see it shortly. Kendall, you're going to be very, uh, may, may I hear, just give me one moment. Oh, okay, Kendall, no, 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 you might be very surprised because a lot of people don't read the fine print when they say, yes, let's get rid of the Electoral College. And you might be very surprised when suddenly the Republicans all in unison go, deal, you got yourself a deal. Because without the Electoral College, the Electoral College is what decides all congressional districts and how many Congress people each state get. Without the Electoral Congress, the Constitution only allows each state one senator and one congressman. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, there is more Republican states than there are Democrat states. So sure, the Democrats might take a few extra presidencies, but you have ensured Republican rule of the legislature for the next hundred <laughs> years if you get no. rid of the electoral so the senators are so just going to walk away. You wish for, these senators are going to walk the fuck away. Uh, you yeah. be careful well, what I you wish Ted for, Cruz, you just might Take Ted Cruz. <laughs> no, okay. he'll be the one we keep. 
Oh, okay. if he leaves, we're, he'll be nominated to the Supreme Court then. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, so I can, I can provide an answer to the question. So the Jorgensen Colin campaign has taken no official position on the Electoral College. So I will share my own perspective on it. I am not speaking ex-cathedral here. I'm not even speaking as an official libertarian position. Just my own, my own reasonably informed opinion. So I would say that while I get the frustrations with the Electoral College, and I tend to share it, um, in a country as big as ours, that geography is still a legitimate interest that needs to be represented in our system. And so getting rid of the Electoral College per se, I don't think is the right way to go. I mean, unless we're going to go full on Kapistan, which is obviously not what we're talking about just yet. However, the Electoral College does need serious reform. And big bucket entertainment, you got it. Uh, so uh, the Electoral College does need serious reform. I'm definitely in favor of ranked choice voting. I think that's a, a great idea. I love the proportional representation system that I believe Maine and uh, there's one other state, one of the other small states is using this go-around. Brendan, do you know which one New it is? Hampshire. I think New Hampshire yeah, is. Thank you very much. So I would love to see something like that. The other thing I'm really interested in is the possibility of a districted electoral college votes. Um, so that would force more... We have that yeah, more candidates would actually have to campaign in more parts of every state rather than simply writing off the safe states and concentrating on three or four states. So I, I definitely think there's a lot of room for reform. But even as someone who lives in the L.A. metro area, <clears throat> I do not think Los Angeles and New York should be electing the president every single time. I think there has to be all the different interests of our country represented in our democracy. Also, I'll admit it as part of that, too, I'm a little skeptical of democracy. I think too many people see democracy as an end unto itself, where really democracy needs to be a means to an end. That end being protecting individual liberty as its first value. Excellent. Great points there, Brian. I would like to add one more thing to that. Uh, Kendall, uh, one of the problems that you raised with the uh, electoral college which i get a lot is people want one person one vote and i understand that from frustration and brian did actually touch on what would if it were to go nationwide <laughs> largely be the solution to this is each state's voting district much like nebraska we have three voting districts um if each state's voting district right? were to award its electoral votes to mm -hmm. whoever wins its district, because the districts are based on population. So that actually right. does I mean, it out. Everyone does get one vote, one person. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if you just eradicate winner take all, that would solve yeah. the problem too. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Look at that. We got a Trump supporter, a Biden supporter, <laughs> yeah. a Trump supporter to agree on something, folks. You were here to see it. I don't want to put it up any more questions. Like, all right, thanks. Good night. Just hit the button. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, it happened. We were here to We won the internet. We've, we've won the internet. I know, right? This was fabulous. Yeah. Uh, there was a follow up that was posted. I'll, I'll, I'll address the, the follow up. So, the follow up about, you know, weighing votes on equally in a federal system. Well, you have to remember, though, that the American system, for better or for worse, and I, and I think rightly so, even if it was not always written for the, the most uh, honorable events, it was designed to weigh lots of different interests 
to both to work together and to oppose each other as to temper the excesses of one interest or another. It was designed to have elements of pure democracy, of a representative democracy. It was designed to carry the voices of the people as well as the property and interest, as well as the interest of geography and regional interest. It was designed to, to carry, to have, make sure all of these things have a voice and a vote. It's not just about one person, one vote. It's about weighing all of the interests of the country. And even in other countries, you know, even though other countries don't necessarily have a federal system like we do, most other democracies also have ways of incorporating those regional interests, whether it's the Canton system in Switzerland, whether it's the, you know, the, the system that we inherited uh, in, its, in its modified form from the United Kingdom, whether it's the, the federal system in Germany, whether it's some of the federal systems in South America, all of those systems, whether, you know, whether it's the, the special tribal areas in Pakistan, all of those systems are set up to try and give all of the different interests a voice beyond just a pure, a pure democracy. All right, gents. All right. Thank you, sir. This has been fantastic. I really have had a great time. I thank all of you. Um, now it's time you get a one minute elevator pitch. For all right. Candidate. Okay. Oh, Kendall, what was that? What was that? <laughs> we just hit two hours. Do you need to go um, get a beer? I'll put a song. Yeah, can I pee? Can I pee and get yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm I, could the pitch, a, I could do a two-minute pitch if you need. I mean, like <laughs> I'm, I'm never at a loss for words. <laughs> let let Bill do his while I'm gone and then I'll okay. do right. <laughs> Average Trump speech, sure. Phil. What, uh, what, what's that? I can hear Phil, you're more, up. That more correct. Complete sentences than the average Trump speech, sure. Perhaps. Now, folks. Donald J. Trump, the president of these United States, the ultimate underdog, the comeback kid. He is the man who has helped lead our economy to numbers that they said could never be done. He has led us through what has been one of the worst crisis to hit America in the 21st century. And we are just about to look through and see sunlight on the other side. He has stopped us from reaching catastrophe in the oil industry, which would have destroyed every industry around it. And he has brought us back to a level of economic semblance. Our president has done more to bring about a lasting world peace than any other man that walks the globe today. There is no one you can point to has, has brought us closer to an actual, factual, functioning world peace. Remember how much you were worried about ISIS just a few short years ago, and now there are zero deaths due to Islamic extremism in the United States. President Trump has kept us safe. He has kept us secure. He has done the best, even with the worst hands being dealt. He has still been able to keep our nation together. So folks, when you go to the vote, voting booth, the polling booth, the polling place, if you're still going to send it in via mail, you know if you want peace, if you want lower taxes, if you want your wallet, yes, if you want your wallet to not be as light, if you want to keep more money in here, folks, vote for one Donald J. Trump for president, the president for peace, the president for prosperity, the president that is perfect for America. Thank you.
and God bless America. Like the bastard child of Sam the Eagle and Chris Farley. <laughs> Again, flattery will get you nowhere. <laughs> Brian, you're up. Let's do this. All right. So first off, you want to talk about I mean, claiming that we're suddenly free of ISIS is a benefit. I mean, that's somewhere between saying we don't have any more Flint axe murders and saying that we don't have any more unicorn murders. These are things that either never existed or haven't existed in a long time. It, it, it's, it's a canard at best. Now, here's the pitch for Dr. Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen. If you are tired of endless war, if you are tired of your sons and daughters being sent overseas, if you are tired of us having the biggest prison population in the world, if you are tired of having anywhere from 20 to 40% of your income robbed from you, Every single paycheck, every time you go to the gas station, every time you go to the supermarket, anytime you decide to start a business, anytime you do anything. If you are tired of the police murdering people, if you are tired of all of that, if, if you are tired of not being able to, to live as you see fit, if you are tired of travel restrictions, if you are tired of, of immigrants being made the scapegoat for everything, if you desire better, if you think we can do better, if you think that Americans are a free people of free individuals and deserve to be treated as such, there is only one logical choice. There is Dr. Joe Jorgensen and there is Spike Cohen. It is the choice for liberty, for respecting of our First Amendment. It is a choice for respecting our Second Amendment. It is a choice to be secure in your home and your business and your person. It is a choice to no longer pay oppressive taxes. It is a choice to no longer be the policeman and the bully of the world. It is a choice to have police that actually serve their communities rather than act as the occupying army. And it is a choice to respect you as an individual. It is a choice to say that no one knows how to run your life better than you do. As Dr. Joe says, don't vote for me. Vote for you. As Spike says, you are the power. And there's the Libertarian Party and Dr. Jorgensen that will give that power back to you. Awesome. All right. Kendall, are you ready? You f oh. You got muted somehow? Did there I we go. Oh, Am I back? Go. Welcome you're back. back. You're back. Thank you. We did not cancel Kendall. Yeah. There we go. The wave uh, cancel. Look, folks, um, voting for Joe Biden is is. Um, he says that the battle for the soul of the nation, we brought this up earlier, but uh, in unifying the nation in a return uh, to decency and, and fighting for progressive policies and presidential behavior, uh, Joe Biden takes the pandemic seriously. Joe Biden takes the climate crisis seriously, police brutality seriously, healthcare, education, immigration, guns, solving disparity and equity, all of the things that we've talked about tonight, Joe Biden has a plan for. And while I admire the passion behind Joe Jorgensen's campaign, it's not feasible nationally. It's polling at about 5%. Um, Donald Trump is a threat to democracy as we know it. And uh, he has proven to be inept and terrible at leadership. So on the ballot this go round this time, is the answer to that and and all of the all of the plans that we laid out earlier all of the things they're not even answered by the trump campaign 
Like there's not even there's not even a plan. So vote for Joe Biden. He has plans. He has promise, and he'll return us to decency. Great. All right, man. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I, I'm okay. Read this philosopher king, big buck in entertainment here. Thank you, you philosopher king. You. I got a slight edge to fill. Why? What? Might be biased. No, no. That you biased to logic alone, sir. Love you. Love both Brian and Kendall's. Well, yeah, you guys have been fucking great. This has been awesome. Well, reasonable and great conversation. Great show, fellas. Thank you, Brennan, mostly for putting up with me. Brendan, Very valuable fantastic. and entertaining. Yes, yes. And we got one more to shoot through here. One more here. One more here. Yeah. Yeah. We should pick a person that's nice to the world because that would be pretty nice. That would be pretty yep. nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd like to point out that, that Joe Jorgensen, zero sexual assault allegations. Those <laughs> out there. And uh, you know, as it says on the on the what, Washington ballot, I believe on on uh, her qualifications for for office, never voted to raise your taxes, never voted to send anyone off to war, never voted to lock anyone hey, up. For hey, war. you already did your pitch. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm <laughs> I want to go ahead and do my <laughs> pitch, though. Can I do my <laughs> pitch? <laughs> my pledge. It was very <laughs> polite. <laughs> Oh Lord. Okay. No, guys, uh, I want to say yeah. thank you very much for coming on tonight. It's been two hours, eight minutes, and it's been about an hour longer than I really kind of had planned. But uh, hey, this this stuff kind of happens. But hey. the, the conversation's been great. You guys have been fantastic. Uh, thanks again for taking uh, Brian and Kendall. You don't know me at all, and you took a chance on me, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very it was, much. And right uh, on. It was a real pleasure, and I want to thank all you guys for being uh, great and worthy opponents. And Brendan, thank you for taking a chance on me. This was this was a real pleasure, and, and thank you too for recognizing that there are other candidates in the race and for giving that other those other candidates a voice. I'm I'm very grateful for that too. Well, you don't know how hard it is for me not to say something, you know, with my views, and uh, Phil knows, uh, you know, I, I'm. Uh, so yeah, my so this was very very difficult for me, and I I don't know how I did it, but I I bit my lip. So um, yeah. I I did I did keep a few points, and uh, Brian's chops wins. Oh, yeah. they take it all. They take it all. Chops so, take it. Uh, Kendall's man bun was in close second. But <laughs> yeah, that was there. It was there. It was there. Now, uh, I, so, I was ready. I was when I got real close. mad. I was gonna rip that out. Jesus I thought Christ. about wearing a Joe Biden shirt under this, and it would be in the whole show. Just, oh, just rip nice. it off. <laughs> I do want to say quickly before we go, um, yep. we, have a, we have a show of our own. Are we getting to that? Yes, so yes, yes. Kendall, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was going to say, do that. Go ahead. Yep. Hit, hit cool. it up. My friend Caitlin and I, we have a, a comedy educational variety talk show where we untangle intellectual topics in an attempt to better understand. We are curious types and we want to learn more about all kinds of things. And our topics range from lifelong consequences of puberty to toxic personality traits and then to Yom Kippur and phobias. We bring research facts and personal stories and a recipe uh, for with an on-theme cocktail uh, to each episode. So uh, the name of the show is Amateur Intellectuals. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Great. 
Uh, Brian, you have anything to pitch? Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm not going to pitch anything for of mine, but I would encourage all of you guys to go check out the Jorgensen campaign website at jo20.com, which is uh, the Jorgensen website, as well as Spike Cohen at Muddied Waters Media. Um, also, um, you know, I, I, I uh, encourage you, please, if anyone's listening, please donate to your local school band program, your junior high or high school school band program. They're hurting right now through the pandemic and they could, they could really use your support. And if you have any chance to support the arts or artists in general, we're, we're really feeling the lockdown pretty heavy. So um, I know lots of people and venues and bands would, would really appreciate your support. Thank you. Right on. Phil. Well, home, folks, bub. we arrive at that time of the show where we say something I'm known to say. <laughs> All that being said, folks, thank you for joining us here at Dad's Worldwide for our roundtable discussion. We had the amazing Kendall, the amazing Brian, hosted by Brendan, folks. This has been one hell of a show. Be sure to like, share, subscribe right here at Dad's Worldwide, but this is not where the adventure ends, folks. Brendan is going to be joining me. Your King of Extreme, Phil KOE, over at Big Bucket Entertainment on the Dog and Chicken Show for our live election night coverage, where we will be getting into all the analysis, announcing all the states as they go. YouTube Big Bucket Entertainment, so you can keep up with all of the happenings of this devilishly handsome outlaw, Phil KOE. And if you just need a little bit more KOE content, head over to KOE Nation on YouTube, where you can check me out and all the crazy, wild, wacky adventures that we do together in this adventure we call life. Come and join me. Become a denizen of the KOE Nation. But most importantly, election night. Check out me, Brendan, Tony, Chicken. A whole cast of characters will be reporting in throughout election night on the Dog and Chicken Show. But folks, most importantly of all, Raise a glass to yourself for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this amazing experience. Every last one of you, yes, I toast you all. And thank you for having me, Brendan. Take it away, good sir. Thanks again, guys. Had a great time. Uh, it, went, it went way better than I ever expected. Uh, it was interesting. I love hearing all your viewpoints. And I, I really hope, um, this is going to sound corny, but I really hope we took an undecided voter and, and helped them decide whichever way they went. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, and then also cool. the commenters. I want to thank everyone. Caitlin, uh, Greg, Justin, Big Buck and Entertainment. Thanks for hanging around, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. Who else? Ben. Uh, Matthew my... Marisol. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Jeff Hunt, uh, where was Matthew there? Yeah, he was up at the t towards the top. Oh he's, yeah, sorry. Uh, he's one of my I, friends. I'm probably not going to get everybody, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my brothers stopped in. So, hey. uh, yeah, I I just uh, I want to say thank you to everybody, uh, you guys and everyone. I really appreciate Great it. Great job, and, Brendan. Uh, it was thank fantastic. You, thank you. And uh, Dad, welcome to Dad's Worldwide. Yeah, We're in mom's basement, maybe it was great. It was great. We'll be back on the fifth, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two of us will be. It'll be great. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Have a great <laughs> night. Thanks for watching. You too. Bye -bye. Thank you. Dads worldwide, loyal listeners, possibly you. you.